Welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of About to Review. I'm your host, that guy named John. Across the table from me is returning guest, Tim Hall, a.k.a. the People's Critic. Welcome back, Tim. Oh, it is always glad. Good to be back. (laughs) It is always glad? I'm always glad to be back. I am. And this is a good time to be here. We're talking about some comic book stuff, some Netflix Mm -hmm some black stuff it's three of my favorite things so, <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, I'm, so I'm ready the, the theme of this episode is going to be all about Luke Cage because it just dropped on Netflix recently uh, you're listening to this episode on Wednesday so you have now had a few days to catch up on it which is more than Tim and I have yeah. had to catch up on it hello from the past yeah um, how did you how did you watch it like what was your what was your yeah, that that was the tough part. Is like, so one of the two of us requested a day off from work so that they could just power through it. I mean, request is is a strong word. I said, so when I heard it was coming <laughs> out September thirtieth, I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be in. I, I can't make it. Right, I'm not gonna be in September thirtieth. I got something to do. But mm-hmm. then, then as we get clo- closer, I was literally like, I'm gonna be home watching Luke Cage. Like I didn't even. Yeah. People are like, what are you doing on your day off? I'm like I'm gonna be sitting on my couch watching Luke Cage. <laughs> then you know I was like I'm recording a podcast about it, so it sounded more right, right, more refined instead of like. Well, me, you used me as an excuse <laughs> instead of me sitting on my couch eating chips, like just mm-hmm. staring at a screen. But the thing is, you know, we're, we're on the West Coast, so it mm-hmm. dropped Thursday at midnight. Yeah, so I immediately was, as most of these shows do, like after the second episode, I was like, I gotta see, mm-hmm. kind of gotta see what happens episode three. And once mm-hmm. I started nodding off, I was like, all right, I'm gonna call it quits, and then. Just woke up in the morning and just sort of plowed through them. See, I did not have that luxury oh. because I, you know, what what do they call it? Uh, being a responsible adult. Uh, <laughs> hey, I made sure all my work got done before I was I was off. But, but fair enough, fair enough. So I had to work both Friday and I had to do some work on Saturday, which is ridiculous. So Ooh. yeah, this quickly became a job where I was oh, like, it's a I was job. Like, Man, all right, Thursday at midnight, I stayed up. I was like, all right, I have to go to work Friday morning. I got to get through at least a couple. Right. So I did. Right. Friday night, came home from work, same type of thing, where it just, it started to feel like a job, a task right. to get through this. And that is some unnecessary pressure <laughs> that I only put on myself. Because I was like, all right, we got to record. Right. We need to record on this day. We need to release this day. So I powered through it. Right. Uh but I feel like I could have maybe enjoyed it more mm-hmm. had I had a couple more days. But I'm that is you. okay. I'm with you. You know, that's the thing I don't think anyone really saw with Netflix, right? This, mm-hmm. this, they're going to drop all 13 episodes of a show and people are not only going to watch it, but like watch it in like a day or a two. white knuckle <laughs> pace. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, just so they can talk about it and not get it spoiled. And enjoy watching shows in that manner because we've been right. so programmed to... You know, like we just talked about Westworld, right? You're going to have to mm-hmm. wait another week to see the next episode. <sighs> so not looking right? forward but, to that. <laughs> but that's been the model yeah. since TV Forever. began. Mm-hmm. And now we have Netflix, which is like, no, we're going to give you all, three net, all 13 episodes. You'll have to. Because here's the thing. We're not, we don't get to review this like chunk by chunk. Like this is right. everyone who's reviewing it is reviewing it as a, as a whole piece. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of it. If you're telling an overarching story that begins and ends in 13 episodes, then it makes sense versus yep. 
24 episodes that has like a mid-season break and like Mm -hmm. that's daunting and you kind of lose your footing a bit but this was like they're able to do all that in in a 13 episode thing and netflix is really sort of ticking on that whole structure for a show and and no one thought it would work and here it is here we are yep looking forward because guess guess what's going to happen when when Jessica Jones drops or in the Defenders and mm-hmm. Daredevil season three, yeah, I'll do the same thing. I'm gonna miss work. I'm gonna be at home. I'm gonna watch it at midnight on Thursday. If any of Tim's coworkers are listening I'm just to saying, this, so like, just I got know. enough time off. Like I can, right. I could call hey, we, out of work. We earn that time I earned off. it. I can call, so. I can call out of work and just hang out in the lobby all day if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> hang out there and watch Luke Cage. That would be. Like, hey, I'm just down here watching Luke Cage, you guys. You guys want to check it out? Because here's the problem. I know if I went to work, I'd have been distracted. I'd have seen tweets and Instagram yeah. posts mm-hmm. and, and, and Snapchats and been at my desk mad. Because the same thing happens to me during Final Four. Mm-hmm. I'm just at my desk, like, why am I even here right now? And I gotta, <laughs> I gotta look at, at, at some weird Butler last second three pointer on my phone. Right. Like, I'd rather be at home watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I had to work weekends during the NBA playoffs and NFL playoffs, I'd be disgusted. I'm serious. I would be really disgusted. And it make it makes sense. And I think we just we get so spoiled. We have been so spoiled in the past few years. Actually, I would say maybe like two years yeah. with the Netflix shows. Because now not only are they dropping old shows that right. we used to love, mm-hmm. the whole series. We're talking five, six, seven right. seasons. Mm-hmm. Now it is like, oh, here's this brand new thing. Original programming. Here is all of it. And that's the thing. They've really changed what appointment television is. Yeah. Completely changed what it can be, what it should be, what it will be in the future. It's beautiful. It's a really good time to be alive consuming all of this mm-hmm. happily. Give me more. <laughs> and it is tough because, like, there is not enough time in the world. And there's time if you make it. To consume all of Do you have to things? sleep? That's a luxury. Right. That was what I was thinking. Thursday night. See when you're dead. I'm up until 3 o'clock in the morning knowing... I have to get to work the next morning. Not even yeah. the next morning. Within a few that. hours. Yeah. So back in the, back in my younger days, I used to we used to party all night and be like, mm-hmm. Do I need to go to bed? But Stay once up, we turned fifty, yeah, yeah, you know, it really it slows you down. When you start losing your hair, you got to reconsider <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> those type of behaviors. All your friends start getting terrible MCL knee injuries. You realize that you're next. Mm-hmm. You don't want to happen on a dance floor. That'll be the worst. You sneeze too bad, your I back know. goes out. It happened to my coworker. Seriously? Bend over to pick up some chocolate. Back smooth out. Oof. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> okay. And he loves chocolate. I guess it was worth it. I don't know. All right. I hope so. Better be some good chocolate. Okay. So for this, for this episode, this okay. Luke Cage specific episode, uh, because this show focuses so much or focused so much on music. The rippity rap music. The, the rippity rap, the hippity hop as the, the kids hip- call it. Hippity hop music. Uh, the hip to the hop. Um, so the genre was only supposed to be around for ten years. Apparently, it was ten years. I, are you, do you watch the Get Down? Did you watch I the Get Down? Not watch the Get Down. It was interesting. Parts of it. It it had had some issues. Kind of bumbled here and there. Yeah, but it was fascinating to kind of see that little bit of mm-hmm. you know fan fiction in a sense yeah. of kind of what the scene was. But yeah, even Grandmaster Flash, all these cats who were there from the beginning, they were like, "This might not be around too long." Yeah. So we're gonna ride this wave as long as we can. Here we are. It is still dominating the cultural landscape. I was at a basketball game, an American basketball game in Canada yesterday, and they <laughs> played rap music during the game, like throughout the game. Okay. Yeah. That's a far cry from But was it all Drake, people, though? 
It's a lot, you know, there's <laughs> like, a lot of Drake on that uh, rapper playlist. Of course. <laughs> it's a far cry from, from rap CDs getting steamrolled outside. Remember that? When they got steamrolled? Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is, we've come a long way. We have. Come a very long way. And now we get superhero-themed TV shows mm-hmm. based around, with a very, very strong hip-hop influence. Yes. So speaking of that hip-hop influence, right off the bat, every episode title in the 13-episode run of Luke Cage Season 1 is the name of a Gangstar song. Mm-hmm. And Gangstar, I mean, it went through a couple iterations, but yeah, Guru, DJ Premier, Rest in Peace Guru, yeah, that, that was a recent peace. one. Uh, so that was something that showrunner uh, Cheo Coker mm-hmm. really wanted to focus on. Yeah. And he just, he was like, this is what it needs to be. The show takes place in Harlem. Harlem plays a character in this. And I think that was the same thing, you know, tying all these Netflix shows together right. with Daredevil, with Hell's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Hell's Kitchen is a character. Right. So same with Harlem and this. Right. And the beauty thing is we've always seen hip hop, uh, you know, pattern itself after shows and movies like, like while they had the, the whole Seinfeld theme album. Right. Um, it's cool to see a show that's themed off of hip hop. Mm hmm. Um, the other way around, which is good. Because, you know, we get hip-hop, they reference the movies and, and gangster movies and TV shows and Scarface. So it's cool to finally see, see it the other way and see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. So that, that in and of itself was a really bold choice mm-hmm. that he decided to do when he was creating this show, when he was getting this show made and not backing down from that. Right. And as cliche... As it sounds, you're gonna say it, and Tim hates it. I'm, you're gonna say it. This is what this, you want. There's no other word to use. This show, <laughs> Luke Cage, is unapologetically black. They do not pull punches, and that is again something that that takes a certain type of person, a certain type of showrunner. Mm-hmm. Even with Netflix, right. even though they're greenlighting a bunch of stuff and they are all great, for someone to be like, okay, Marvel. Okay, right. Netflix. This is what I want to do. Right. That that takes I mean, I mean, courage. Because you know, you know, if you're Cheo or whoever's working on the show, you know that it's going to alienate people because mm-hmm. it doesn't back. Like you said, it doesn't back down from it. Like yeah. whether it's the mentions of Black history or Black literature or Harlem mm-hmm. or the Black experience in Harlem or the Black experience in America is very much in your face about it without having to. Uh, be two-handed with with something else. It's just like, yeah, this is what it's like to be black. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, down to the cameos. Yeah. Like the cameo the cameo in episode 12 mm-hmm. was one of those cameos where I was like, this is something you would only see in like a black show. Talk about it. Like, yeah. not even just the cameo, but their interaction. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, that's something you would see, right? And, and for some people, if that's not their experience or not experience that they're used to, it could definitely turn you off. Just hearing them ramble on about black literature, people like yeah. If you're not, if you don't know anything about it, or you don't care, I can see you mm-hmm. just being like, "Here we go again with more <laughs> black history." I want right. to see some people get punched, but mm-hmm. it's part of who the character is, part of what Harlem is, part of what uh, what. He, like, think about it. He's a he's Luke Cage is a felon. Mm-hmm. He's a black man who's bulletproof and is hiding from the police and hiding mm-hmm. from everyone, and, and everything in him doesn't want to get his identity that he's really somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the theme that's through the, mo- through the show. And in th- reality, those things would come up. Yeah. 
right? Absolutely. That whole stop and frisk situation that happens is like a, that's a real thing that would happen. Mm-hmm. And the the times in this series, so we will not go into We're not gonna spoil spoilers. I know. I have like a list of spoilers. <laughs> we we will we will try and avoid them to the best of our abilities because we can, again, we can talk about the show without spoilers. Yeah, for sure. This show just came out, and I try not to to do that, you know, too right. much. So, you know, we will talk about the whole series, beginning, middle, and end, without right. going too much into that. So, for those of you listening who are worried about that, who might listen to other podcasts that spoil things from the jump, we're not going to do that. Uh, so we will try and avoid that. All right, gotcha. Uh, so the way we're going to break down the this episode is yeah. in in specific to this show first a little backstory a little backstory so luke cage the character debuted in 1972 mm-hmm. now this was right when black exploitation movies were blowing up mm-hmm. i mean everything from black superheroes oh yeah <laughs> superheroes, <laughs> That's they were i mean because it was like sweet sweet back sweet sweet back you know all of that dolomite shaft, shaft. yeah and so you had this influx. Like Shaft has a scene with a, just a shot of a Cadillac grill on a car. That's the shot. <laughs> right. It's the shot down the street. Mm-hmm. It's, like, that's a weird transition shot. But yeah. it worked because people were like, yeah, I love Cadillacs. And it, I mean, it made sense for especially the, the people who are watching the movie. The people who are going to see right. a black superhero movie. They're like, okay, I get this. I can right. connect to it. So when you have people like you know Melvin Van Peebles, right. you know back in the day, constantly pushing barriers, mm-hmm. you know pushing boundaries. So Luke Cage came right from that. Right. Superfly. Grant, yes, <laughs> Superfly. <laughs> Granted, there were no black creators involved with the creation of Luke Cage. No. no. Uh, but at, and so you know some people look at it as okay. At the time, Marvel was just trying to capitalize on this medium. They were trying to do this and that. Okay, so maybe they saw an opportunity, but what they did with that opportunity, I think, is what is important. Right. Is granted, this was kind of a caricature of all those black exploitation films, but at least it was something. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of people who want to tear stuff like this down, mm-hmm. like, but it is not this, this, and this. No. Okay. No. At least it is something. something. It is getting the conversation going. Yeah. This is a it's black a superhero from Harlem. Yeah. So. So yeah, so 1972, uh, and interestingly enough, the, I mean, not interesting enough, like even with all of the black exploitation films that were going off, going on at the time, the series, the comic book series started to really wane. Mm-hmm. Numbers started to dip because at the same time you have the Kung Fu genre yeah. that is blowing up. So at episode or episode, sheesh, issue number 50 mm-hmm. of Luke Cage, that was when he started pairing up with Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Because they were like, okay, one industry is going away. Like, what else can we latch on to? So Luke Cage has always kind of had this history of trying to stay on top of things. And when they relaunched it in the 90s, because unfortunately, that original series did not last long. Mm -hmm. In in comparison, like, so it was like 1972 to 1986, which is good. But not great. But not great. They relaunched it in 1992 as just cage garbage. Wow. Uh, it, it was bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lasted like 20 issues. So Luke Cage is in a tough spot. Right. And when we got reintroduced to him in the Marvel Max line in the 2000s when Marvel was doing like Blade, that yeah. was when it got redone, Punisher, Black Widow, Elektra, you know, we were like, okay, 
this might lead to something. Mm. Nope. Nothing. Nothing. Mm. <laughs> Until Jessica Jones, when he kind of resurfaced again for a lot of people for the first time. Right. So kind of going off of the back of that, Luke Cage has had a tough run of things. Yeah. Tough run. It's the black experience in America. Right. <laughs> even, though, even when it was written by an all-white creative team, yeah. even the subject matter at that point, it was still hard to latch on to. Right. So, you know, you got you to go through your lumps yeah. and, and hope it works out. Uh, it was actually in, I wrote it down, when was it? Uh, John Singleton, at one point, was said to direct a Luke Cage movie. Yeah, a few people were, weren't they? Yeah, a few people Wasn't were attached Tarantino to it. attached at one point, or he was going to do one? Ooh. I think I read that today. I Possibly. don't know. I could be wrong. But yeah. Possibly. So, like, they have tried. Would have been tried. <laughs> Oh, God. I'm honest, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, they, they have tried a few different ways, a few different techniques to kind of get this in there. So, with this show, mm-hmm. I think this is, oddly enough, the most accessible Mm-hmm. version even though this series this netflix series is going to be hard to watch for a lot of people i think i mean if you want it to be Compar- I mean, comparatively comparatively like daredevil jessica jones yeah. like anybody can jump into that this one i think it is going to take a, a few people off guard a little right. bit and be like "Ooh, this is not the marvel i am used to yeah so i think in that respect it will be interesting. Is, yeah, you I mean you'll see by what people have to say about the show, like a legitimate critique or you just I couldn't get in it's the the classic I couldn't get into it. Right. No. Now, do you think do you think people will watch this out of excitement or out of necessity? Uh for the greater Marvel spectrum. Out of curiosity. Okay. Going, going to option number three. <laughs> no, because I think I think the Marvel's been on a great run. Mm-hmm. I think um, they want to trust. They know the character from Jessica Jones. Right. They want to trust that Marvel's doing well. Mm-hmm. Tons of people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. So they're going to give it a shot, and maybe it sticks with them. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe they they fall off. But I think out of curiosity for what is this thing that people are buzzing about? Like you can't not see people talking about it. Yeah. Unless you're just living under a rock, like. Right, because even if you are not a Luke Cage fan, you, you might be a Netflix fan. You've got to write about, like, if, if you're someone who writes about this kind of content, you've got to write about Luke Cage. Yep. You don't get a chance. You don't get to walk away from it and not write about it. <laughs> right. Like, why aren't you writing about the show that Netflix just put out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it, it is going to be one of those interesting cultural phenomenons, and I think a lot of people are going to be drawn to it because it is Marvel, right. because it is Netflix. They just might be surprised as to what it is. Right. Oh, not necessarily even what it is, but how it's presented. Mm-hmm. I think the presentation is the thing that's going to catch people off guard. It's presented very much rooted in hip-hop, rooted in Harlem, mm-hmm. rooted in who Luke Cage is as, as a man, and rooted in blackness in a lot of ways that people aren't used to seeing on television, let alone on a Netflix show um, <laughs> yeah. that's based in this comic book world, right? Because most, like, if you're a comic book fan, you can avoid black comics and black comic book characters mm-hmm. and still have a great comic experience, yep. right? So you may not, you may just know Luke Cage, like you said, from Jessica Jones and that whole mm-hmm. run. Um, or maybe, you know, the stuff with, with him in Civil War, maybe that's what you know. Or if you know about him, or even the people involved with creating it, some people, they don't know. Yeah. They don't know who, you know, who's scoring the film and mm-hmm. who's scoring the show and the, the showrunner 
and some of the actors who pop up, will, will, I'll recognize them from other things, but some people may not. Mm-hmm. They may not know. And that's going gonna, gonna to be odd for them, but, 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 which is fine. Yeah. It's the same way when people watch girls and we're like, where are all the black people and girls? Like, you know what I mean? Like, or friends. No friends. Or, right? You're watching like, this is New York City. This is odd. Mm-hmm. No black people in here. But that's, right? But this is a world that Lena Dunham created and it's her viewpoint and she'll get to ride that out for as long as she wants to. Um, so for a show about Harlem to have a very, very black cast, shouldn't be shocking. But for mm-hmm. some people, that mean, they won't look at it as a world that's created. They'll look at it as someone's trying to, to give you this black thing or, or put blackness in your face. And this is not true. Like, yeah. If you're if you're a black person in America, you don't get to avoid being black, right? It, it becomes you very difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> People will let you know even when you try to go the other way. Like no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. <laughs> like for instance, like like if if you're of mixed race and you look a certain way, they're not going to give you an option to be to like to run with the whites. Like right? Oh, you get to choose. Some of my great grand like my, my great grandmother did. My, my great aunts mm-hmm. they were so fair skinned in California that they could just pass, mm-hmm. and a lot of them passed. But they passed during a time where it was like in the 1940s and 50s. Oof. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes, if you if you are mixed and you have black features, you don't get to just be like, this is my other half. I get to just chill with and like mm-hmm. give me all my privilege. You don't get to do that. You're, just, no. you're black. And so you will get this black experience whether you want it or not. Um, and Luke Cage is, is part of that. Like, and yeah, and I, I love the, the different – one of the things I love about the show before we super get into it is mm-hmm. the – different depictions of the black experience in harlem absolutely people who, but everyone loved harlem that was the beauty of like everyone good or bad that was the joining force loved harlem and they wanted harlem to be great in their own way some of it through crook and <laughs> yeah. hook others through benevolence yeah and, you some, know. and like luke just wanted to just chill yeah, he was like, I ain't nothing to do with this. I'm I want to do some. To, I want to do some dishes. I'm to not go to prison. I want to sweep up some hair. Yeah, I just want to just go in the background right. and just and phase, just fade, just fade away. So, um, uh, yeah. So you get characters like Misty Knight, who's intent on making Harlem the Harlem she thinks it should be mm-hmm. through policing. Yeah, you know, she runs through her own roadblocks trying to police. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So now, now that we went down down those paths, right. the the rough formula for this episode. Now that we went over a little bit of history, mm-hmm. and we left out a lot of history, but at the same time, unfortunately, Luke Cage is one of those characters that because he has gone through so many iterations and so many different things, you can pick up a lot of these comics and get a different perspective, yeah, a different feel, and so that makes it tough. With mm-hmm. Daredevil, with Spider-Man, things like right. that, they're overarching themes that always make it approachable. Right. Luke Cage is a little bit different. Right. Like the Marvel Max line, that one is a, is an interesting read, and that is more closely related to the show. Right. So, but for the show itself, we're going to break this down like we were in the studio writing a song. I mean, we are in the studio. That is true. <laughs> so let me let me rephrase that. So like, like we're, we're in the studio making a record. Yeah, making a record. So with any hip hop album, with any hip hop song, you need to focus on the beat, mm-hmm. the bars or lyrics, the hook, and the tone and style. Mm-hmm. So that is how we're going to break this down. So right off the top, the beat of this show, which is the underlying foundation. Tim, what would you say is that underlying foundation the beat? 
of this show. Harlem. Exactly. Like, Harlem. without a doubt, without a doubt it's Harlem. this show is Harlem. Have you ever met anyone from Harlem? Occasionally. They love Harlem. <laughs> I get it, without a doubt. Like, like, people from New York love right. being from New York. Mm-hmm. Like, even the first, the first scene is them arguing about the Knicks. Like, that's yep. a very New York thing. Even though the Knicks are trash. Sorry, Nick fans. <laughs> right, I was going to say. It's a thing that happens. We might happens. have alienated 0.5% right? or like, 0.05. Like, I have good friends from New York who, they argue about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a very, very New York thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So from the beginning, it's it's an, it's a very New York show. It's very much Harlem. Um, and that's the theme. That's one of the things I enjoyed about it. Yep. Because, again, when you're listening to any hip-hop song, any rap song, any song in general, and you have that beat, you might not like the lyrics, you might not like the tone, but if that beat gets you, mm. you're in for it. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely, without a doubt, the beat of this show is how much every character in here loves Harlem. Mm. You know, And again, they go about it different ways. Some people love Harlem for political reasons, or they want to try and extract Harlem for you know, their own thing. But the baseline, mm. like the whole beat, is just that love of Harlem. Right. So I found that fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it was not so much, I mean, with, you know, comparing it to other Daredevil shows, or Daredevil shows, other Netflix shows like Daredevil with Hell's Kitchen, you had people who liked Hell's Kitchen, who believed in it. But this show, mm-hmm. every episode came back to Harlem. No one wanted to leave it. Yeah. You know, even the backstory you get um, where, uh, Madam, I keep forgetting. I'm gonna forget her name. Um, oh, the Madam Councilwoman. No, 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 no. But their or, backstory, the backstory they give. Um, oh, Mama Maple. Mama Maple. Yeah. yeah. Like Maple. she, she's like not gonna run drugs in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Like that's her line of like, I'm prostitution, extortion. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'll kill people, but we're not running no dope because what she valued in her community. Even though this woman is doing all of the other dirt in the world, right. she didn't want to do that to her community. Yeah, I, and and it and it even the councilwoman's sense. her whole ring is based around some thing she's doing that's supposed to help the community, right? Which was, I mean, one of those beats in this yeah. that was kind of odd, right? Because one of the things that makes and again, we'll we keep going back to it. A good song mm-hmm. is that steady beat. Right. Is if the beat changes here and there mm-hmm. and it has the breaks and whatever, like, but it, it still feels like the same song. Okay. Right. This one, there were a couple people who started going off on different things mm-hmm. and it made it interesting, but I'm not sure if it was as successful as others. I don't think they gave it enough to really flush out why that's important. Or, for instance, like the idea that like everyone's not 100% good or 100% bad, right? Right. So there are some good that she's doing, but at the end of it, she's, she's a crook. Yeah. But there's, she's, she's doing good. Like she's, like in, with all of her efforts and all of her money laundering and all of the scandal, like there's good coming out of it, right? She's, she is helping some students. She is employing people. Mm-hmm. She is, but she's also like elbows deep in some crime yeah and th- and that that was the tough part is especially with, with without that, one she can't do the other and that like when you start picking and choosing yeah without like, one she can't do the other so she's kind of this and that and, you know when we get the backstory like that's the path she's been on like mm-hmm. that's yeah 
and, and even Cottonmouth. Like, I'm sure there was a choice for them to do something different, but... Well, there was, and they kind of get into that yeah. at a certain point in the series when, you know, when they're talking about it. And they're right. like, I could have done something different. And yet, I got I got kind of pulled into this. So, yeah. Right. So with the with the beat, the underlying foundation is Harlem. Mm-hmm. Like that is the beat of this show the whole time. With the bars mm-hmm. or the lyrics of the show, we're going to talk about the dialogue. Okay. We're going to talk about how the characters interact mm-hmm. with each other. If it felt genuine. So from the beginning, okay. going back to the, that first episode in the barber shop. Mm-hmm. Talking about Arlen, talking about the Celtics, talking about the Knicks, like mm-hmm. all of that. For the most part, the interactions that the characters were having with each other felt genuine. Mm-hmm. They felt like real conversations. Mm-hmm. Anyone who has ever spent any time in a barbershop, right. you have heard those, those same conversations a thousand times. A hundred thousand times. <laughs> so just like... You hear them. So it just, here's the thing. They toned it down because some of those conversations are so outlandish. Mm-hmm. Some of the conspiracy theories get tossed around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some of the, yeah. <laughs> so, with, the, with those aside, though, it felt, for the most part, natural. Yeah. And I think that is something, especially with these grounded Marvel shows, right. like the Daredevil, like the Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. like Luke Cage, there has to be that. With Captain America, with Winter Soldier, with Civil War, right. that level, that cognitive dissonance that you can kind of have of, like, Okay, these conversations are ridiculous. They're not real. We have these hovercrafts in the sky. We're not hovercrafts, right. but like you have these shield things in the sky. Right. With this, when you are grounded in Harlem, when you are grounded in a hyper reality, I feel like you need to believe that dialogue more so than other, you know, things in this Marvel greater Marvel universe. I got you. Yeah, because even even if you look back on on Daredevil and Jessica Jones, like you really don't see people in the communities talking about. I mean, there's little references to like the event and mm-hmm. other the things incident. that have the incident and yeah. other things that have happened in this Marvel universe, um, but they're not really having conversations the way people have conversations mm-hmm. in real life. And, and yeah. from the first scene, like Luke Cage sort of addressed, like we're going to have these conversations. These are things that are happening in our community. These are conversations mm-hmm. we're going to have uh, that you're going to hear people having that are very real conversations. Yeah, and it, and I think it is on the back of those real conversations. That these characters, and again, this is kind of that Netflix formula. We had 13 hours right. to get to know these characters. <coughs> yes. To get to know why they do, what they do, who they are. And that is a huge benefit mm-hmm. that I think, I mean, the movies are the movies. Mm-hmm. They're always going to be there. If that is your Marvel, that is okay. Right. But at the same time, Getting these characters that are ground level, mm-hmm. are street level, mm-hmm. is totally different. Yeah, for me and for me, that was Turk for me. Right, Turk was the guy who would show up and just inject <laughs> a little bit of realness in the conversation <laughs> and and bounce. Like mm-hmm. he was in and out real quick, and then would, he would say what he had to say and then leave, but left an impression with the little bit of screen time he had. Yeah. Um, that was awesome, but that's a real thing that would happen. Like he would show up and be like, "Man, what is going on right now? I'm out." Yep. And I think, <laughs> and I think you, you always have to have that one person, and all these types of yeah. things. Who's like, "What? Is, like, can we take a second yeah. and realize what is happening?" He's like, like hey, "Where's my money?" Yeah. Like he just showed up 
at the most inopportune time <laughs> looking for his money, which led to one of my favorite scenes, which was like, you can collect your money from downstairs. Downstairs. <laughs> like, Ooh, so then, <laughs> like, so speaking of dialogue, uh, one of the things that so I wrote good. down, this show, more than any other, so far, the the three seasons, mm-hmm. Daredevil 1 and 2 and Jessica Jones, of the three seasons of these Netflix Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe shows, this show is the king of one-liners. Oh, a lot of good one-liners. And they like, and all of them fit, mm-hmm. even if they are kind of odd. Mm-hmm. So in, in times when one character is flirting with another character, uh, we'll not say who, yeah. but one person is, is making it known oh, very much that so. he is interested and she calls him out yeah. right away. She was like, that's the cheesiest line yeah. I've ever heard. Unlike other shows, movies, what have you, who are like, oh, he likes me. Yeah. Just like, no, she called you out. Yeah. Like, that was incredible. Some of the one, one-liners, uh, it just like, uh, let me see, where were my notes for this? Oh, I even made, oh, yeah. Things like, I am the gun. Yeah. You know, when people are like, oh, you came into our neighborhood blah blah and you're like man i don't need a gun i am the gun right so the one-liners in this uh next time you say my name i'm coming for you and it was just like it was great and i think with daredevil especially with season two you know with frank castle like they really focused on a lot of dialogue and a lot of drawing you into those performances which mm-hmm. this did also mm-hmm. but i feel like this show is not afraid to kind of give you those one-liners. Yeah, and for me, that was that was Cottonmouth, who... Yes. You know, we see him do a few really nefarious things, but for the most part, it's the conversation in the barbershop he's having, mm-hmm. it's the conversation with Luke at the funeral home, where he just, you know... He, it, it was it was his laugh, it was the smile he always gave, he's telling Luke, like, he called him a dish, just calling him a dishwasher. Yeah. Um the shade. The shade. Like the shade people left <laughs> and right. There was so much. Because he could. Yeah. Because he had, he had that confidence. Yeah. Because who was going who to check him? Mm-hmm. And I think that was something that, again, we, we have to separate out the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the Marvel Netflix Universe. Mm-hmm. Only slightly. Because, yes, they are connected. But with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you have these over-the-top villains, Ultron. You have all of these things. With these shows, mm-hmm. when you have things like Kingpin. When you have, you know, Nobu, mm-hmm. when you have Kilgrave, right. to have a solid villain, a mm-hmm. ground level a villain, ground level villain yeah. this other than Kingpin, because even Kingpin was kind of superhuman and crazy and crazy. <laughs> a Cottonmouth is just in, a bit insane, but like sociopath, but has a he has a goal. Like yep. He's trying to get these guns. Mm-hmm. That's his goal. And that's going to be his goal. And that's the thing he wants to do. And, and, you know, you're not sure what he's about. And there's a scene where it's the first or second episode. We start rattling off, like, what he's got, what it's worth, mm-hmm. how to sell it, what his connect is, his connect is solid. We're good to go. Yeah. Let's celebrate. Like, you're like, oh, so this guy is a businessman about his money, but also clearly people are afraid of him. Uh, yeah, because this is the first Marvel Netflix villain mm-hmm. that has not had the X Factor. Right. With Kingpin, that is a giant man. Right. Whether or not you might be scared of him or whatever, like physically, he is imposing. Right. Kilgrave is scrawny, but he controls your brain piece. Yeah. And so with this, you have a regular guy, mm-hmm. a regular, like average sized guy, mm-hmm. 
who still has that menacing, sociopathic, kind of just aura about him. Right. That just no one wants to mess with him. Which is funny because <clears throat> what's his name? The guy who plays him, um, uh, Mahershala Ali. So yeah, I'm used to seeing him as you know the dude protecting Katniss. You know what I mean? <laughs> who, who didn't get? You know, it's crazy looking at him now. It's like they didn't give him anything to do with these Hunger Games movies other no. than be like get blown up. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see him sort of come full circle and like mm-hmm. give this character of Cottonmouth like. Like he gave this character life. Yes, absolutely. Um, and didn't make him like this one-dimensional bad guy who's just out punching people in the face. Like he yeah. clearly cared about people. Mm-hmm. Um, cared about Harlem. Cared, cared about <laughs> like, Harlem. Man. Cared about Harlem. Cared about keeping order in Harlem. Mm-hmm. That's very apparent in one episode. Yes, he cared about keeping order in Harlem despite what he was involved in. Like he still, you know, like um, like that that line from The Wire. Like every man has a code and so mm-hmm. he clearly had a code yep that he wanted to li- even though <laughs> he did so much dirt like he, he was destined to live by this code that he had uh-huh. um so that was beautiful to see him sort of be able to flex that out yes um and even some of the dialogue he has um you know when he's <laughs> beating that dude up and says he gets to hit him like a man now mm-hmm. like that's yeah and it yeah you never see him land any punches but but you know it's all there and i think that is what makes a villain no matter what genre successful yes if you see somebody like jason or freddy krueger just straight up murder someone like all right cool like i know where that bar is right with this one he gave you enough and i think with kingpin with vincent d'onofrio like he gave you enough before you actually saw him cross that line right you knew you should not cross that line. No, what's funny is we were talking about this yesterday on our way to Vancouver. Like I was saying, like Michael Myers to me was the scariest of them all because mm-hmm. <clears throat> you see him murder someone when he's a kid. But when he shows back up as an adult, you're terrified of this yep. person. And you've yet to see him do anything. All he is is stalking. He's yep. outside the school. He's down the street. Which, quick sidebar. <laughs> yeah. I really want to know who taught him how to drive. Because he's <laughs> locked up when he's a kid. Okay, yep. And he gets, when he breaks out, he steals a car and drives to Haddonfield. Hmm. And he's whipping the station wagon. He's, and that's yeah, the yeah. theme in all of his movies. He's always stealing vehicles. I'm like, who? Do they have <laughs> Grand Theft Auto in there? Like, how did he know well, how to steal He was cars? part of the uh, auto program in Juvie? So, okay, so uh, here's, here's one of my friend's theories, is that to try to normalize him, mm-hmm. Dr. Loomis or someone else taught right. him how to drive. To try to like, hey, you're a sociopath. Oof. We're gonna drive around the parking lot. That is a stretch. I just, how else does he learn how to like? <laughs> right. If you were locked up since mm-hmm. you were five, how would you know how right. to drop a vehicle and drive it well? He's not crashing it. He's hitting corners. You know, just go. This, this, I'm sure this month they'll play it a hundred times. Go back and watch Halloween and just mm-hmm. watch him drive a car. It's insane. Anyway, but yeah, but <laughs> so <laughs> the Michael Myers thing is like, what makes him scary is that he he feels like a normal person. Yep. Exactly. And there's the, you know, he does all super stuff at the end of the first one and the second one, right? Yeah. Well, he gets up after he's shot a jillion times. Uh, but Yeah. The, the immortality le- factor. Up to, yeah, right. That's a whole other thing. But mm-hmm. leading up to that point, he feels like a very normal person who has a goal and is going to do it. Same with the Terminator, right? Yep. Not a lot of conversation. Terminator's going to show mm-hmm. up. Are you Sarah Connor? Boom. A Please. to B to C. Like, that was I got it. a list. I'm going through this list, and everyone named Sarah Connor is getting it. Um, so that's the thing that's scary about characters like Cottonmouth is that 
because they're so normal, they have their hands in a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. There are people who fear them. There are people who love them. Yeah. There are people who work with them. There are people who feel like this is where they, this is part of their, 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 their thing in life. Their goal is being his little lackey and yeah. doing what he does, doing whatever he says. Because it is a lot better to be closer to that. Yeah. You know, than away from it in certain contexts and in certain instances. Yeah. But yeah, that, that normalcy. Yeah. That heightened normalcy, right. I guess. Because he is still above the common man. Yeah. But everybody but knows that always, he grew up there. Like, yeah. he is from he's there. From Harlem. Yeah. His blood is there. Like, and the other thing that's crazy is when Shade shows up, mm-hmm. the way he speaks to him yeah. says a lot about who he is or who he's connected to. Without and that doesn't come till later on in the season, mm-hmm. but he's just like, yeah, no, that's not gonna work for me. Because then you then you start to humanize your villain even more, right? Because then you're like, oh wait, this guy is scary. He is here. Yeah, there is somebody here there. above him that he is even worried about. Right. And I think that was something that again, the Netflix shows not have struggled with. Mm-hmm. But there was never really that that concern. Like yeah. with, with Kingpin in the first season of Daredevil. Yeah. Then there's like the hand. And yeah, like, but he was not really like, oh, crap, I need to watch what I'm doing. In right. the second season when it was the hand, right. that was kind of it. In Jessica Jones with Kilgrave, like everyone kind was of kind it. of that, yeah. that one level. Mm-hmm. If that one person at this level in an audio medium, as I put my hands yeah, at a put, certain I level. I want you to put your hands really high. Right. <laughs> but then there's that person above them. Yeah. Then you're like, oh, crap. Like, what is that yeah. person? How how many doors does this thing go down before right. we get to the big bad guy? Yeah. Um, yeah, but they did a really good job of, of setting up a world of crime, like a crime mm-hmm. syndicate. And, you know, the other crime bosses in the community as well. Like, they were all <laughs> involved. Yep. All had their hands in it. Everyone trying to get paid. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it, one of the things I do love, whether it be Jessica Jones or Daredevil, is sort of this sort of shakeup of the crime dynamic mm-hmm. after the incident yeah. and after what happened with um, Kingpin, which, yeah. which is mentioned in Luke Cage. Like, hey, man, they got Kingpin, so, mm-hmm. so not everyone's on their toes. But if it feeds into another part of the show, which is like the police corruption, um, their involvement, and it's, it's, that's been a constant theme through all these Marvel shows. It's yeah. like they're, they're not to be trusted. Mm-hmm. And it just, it makes sense. And they do a good job not really spoon feeding you right. the rest of the Marvel Netflix universe. Right. They touch on it, but not so much in that you're like, wait, what happened? Right. It still makes sense. Contextually, mm-hmm. as a show, mm-hmm. as a series, it makes sense. Right. It gives you enough for, to be like, wait, what happened? Yeah. And then you want to go back and check it out. Right. But that is about it. So. After after the beat, right. after the bars and lyrics, which we talked about the dialogue, you have the hook. Mm-hmm. So the hook in a song, it goes back to that central thing. Mm-hmm. So even though the beat was Harlem, that central thing that I feel like it kept coming back to was redemption. Right. Yeah. And for everybody, for every, and that was I think that was one of the huge successes with this show. Everybody had something. That they were trying to redeem for. Right. Everybody had Pops, a separate Pop level. Did. Yeah. Like Pop with his barber shop, and then you get into his backstory and you realize you find out how he got his name. Right. You find out, okay, this is a multi-layered character. Right. And so that I think is a central theme, is just redemption. Right. 
whether it is opening up a barbershop in the neighborhood that you hustled in, that you grew up in, whether it is like, hey, I was framed for this thing. Whether even, it was, even like Chico's path to redemption led to everything that sort of sets this whole yep. season off. But he was trying to get redemption for what had happened. Mm-hmm. But then that's that's like the big domino, <laughs> right? And it, but without knowing, he's putting people in harm. Like mm-hmm. he just is for his own self trying to get he's redemption. He's a kid. He's a kid. He he is a kid who makes a dumb mistake. That then, of course, the domino effect. Yeah. And especially, I think that was the other thing is in a small neighborhood. Right. I mean, Harlem is is big compared to a lot of you know boroughs or neighborhoods right. in other cities. But one action right. can change everything. Right. That one thing that happens, no matter how involved you are, right. can set in motion things that you had no idea. Mm-hmm. So that was another success right. of this show. Uh, and yeah, I mean, all of the characters had their little bits mm-hmm. of redemption. Some of them worked better than others. Yeah. Some of them did not care about redemption. Yeah. Shades. No. Nope. And that is, again, I think, a did success of, yeah. of a villain. Right. All too often, with a lot of villains and a lot of different mediums, you have that moment of clarity. Never has it. Nope. Never has. Never has the sort of the the, the baby first turn. Mm-hmm. He's just him. Yep. And that I loved yeah. <laughs> because yeah. having a consi- like having a multifaceted character is great. You can still have a multifaceted character who, from beginning to end, is at one note. Yeah. It's like this is who I am. This is who I work for. This is what I want to do. Right. I'm not afraid of my past. I'm not ashamed of my past. This is who I am. This is who I am. And then you get into like Misty Knight played by Simone Missick. Mm-hmm. First of all, I didn't know she was that fine. Like no one, <laughs> like, you, no you, one. You did not get the memo? No one prepped me for it. <laughs> right. That first episode, I was like, are we, this for real? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we're here. We're here now. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was so good as Misty Knight. But even, even though like she needs her redemption, like she yeah. had her past. She loves Harlem. Um, she joined the police force for reasons we're not we're not going to spoil, mm-hmm. um, and that's her. That's what she wants to do, and she's seeking redemption the whole show, the whole time for various things, various things. And that again is something that like these characters, and this is a credit to the Marvel Netflix universe. Right. When they know they have time mm-hmm. to develop these characters, they do a great job of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, the movies they do a good job. But you're left asking more questions. Right. Because the first time we meet Misty, like, she's not you know, as a cop. She's nope. Not, she's <laughs> she's at, at Harlem Paradise. Yeah. At the bar in a very nice dress. And like Tim said, being fine. Being fine. Just being fine. Mm-hmm. And believing that she was doing the right thing. Yeah. Believing that she, like, this is her way. She mentioned it at some point in later episode. Like, this is her way to justice. Like, this mm-hmm. is going to be her redemption. It's going through the law. We're going to arrest people. We're going to book them. Yep. And to see it sort of, and as we unfortunately see happen in real life, like it just doesn't pan out that way. Yep. It's just not going to work that way. You can have the best intentions. And, and, might, and even have somebody dead out. to rights. And just, it's just, <laughs> for whatever political reason, it's just not going to pop off. And you're stuck. Like, well, then how do I get justice? Like, how do I, how do I find a way with mm-hmm. this gun and this badge to, to bring people to justice? If, yep. if not this way, then how? Right. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, people are still reluctant. To, to, to trust, it. yeah, and, yeah, and to trust people like Luke Cage, right? Yeah, this is all still very new for them, and that's what you see um, with uh, with Alfred Wooder's character, 
is oh yeah mm-hmm. her sort of like part of her turn is all right let's get these freaks off the street yeah the freaks can either do be trusted did he punch a hole in someone's chest who knows did he murder a cop i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know they did or didn't but we can't you know it could be you next right this whole fear thing which again um, contextually made sense made sense when when you see one of the side characters in luke cage peddling dvds right of the incident yeah he's like i have the, the best, whole show i, I have the just best views yeah. you know it's like get you 4k for 4k is what he said right which was awesome <laughs> um so things like that where it ties it into the greater Marvel that th- that w- universe. That's something that would happen. Absolutely. Not that that would like, absolutely happen. It would 100%. be some idiot trying to record the internet and mm-hmm. sell it. I got yeah. the green dude and the Iron Man, like, you know. Right. Not the monster. Like, just... The, uh, like, the good old boy with the yeah. shield. Got them all on down there. Like, he got the best view. So that, that brings it home, mm-hmm. I think, different than the movies. Right. Because, again, if something like that were to happen... Walking around in the city where it happened, you would see that. Yeah, the the closest thing they got to a civil war where they were like, "Hey, man, all these incidents, people are dying. You <laughs> figure out how to not murder people. Thank mm-hmm. you for saving the world, but you're you're also people are being murdered by these things yeah. are happening. The death tolls have seemed a little low. Oh man, but <laughs> people always want to crap on DC for Metropolis the, and all that. You mean the like, Murderverse? Someone pointed out to me on Twitter, right? The Murderverse. But come on, that was Superman's first day on the job. Uh, I'm not defending it, but yeah. at the same time, like he just learned how to lo- use his powers. Anyway, we will not go down that rabbit hole. I, uh, I, I'm totally forgetting <laughs> who said it on Twitter, but they called it Earth 187. I thought, <laughs> Damn, I that made sense because people are just getting <laughs> murdered. They're killing everybody. But um, it's tough to do in a in in, in a genre this majority PG-13, right? To like how how do we contextualize the loss of life and the weight of it on people without mm-hmm. showing it, which is which is tough. Which is and also not people don't want to go to be bummed out. Like people want to go yeah. to see heroes save the day, right? And I think even with a show like this, that again it has already been divisive mm-hmm. because I think a certain population is not ready for it. They're not ready for heroes from a different cut, from a different cut of cloth. Right, and so so it is tough. It it has already been divisive, mm-hmm. but I think it is important. I think it is important I mean, that it, these I things mean, are there. Divisive, how, like because for me, when I, you know, this comes up a lot. Like when people talk about whatever um, racial inequality, mm-hmm. racial injustice, like just having a conversation about it isn't divisive. Like just seeing, like for instance, <clears throat> was at a screen one time. Mm-hmm. There was a bunch of black football players in there. This is a true story, and. <laughs> One of them was a student of mine. I said, hey, man, you got to make sure y'all are good in there. I don't want to come in there, y'all acting up. He said, man, I got you. So I go, so as I'm coming in, there's, a, there's someone running out. It's a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, I, can't, I can't be in there. She got her hands up. It's just too much. So I'm like, in my head, I'm like, man, I just talk to this dude. <laughs> I go in there. Nothing's happening, man. It's just a bunch of young black men sitting around. But mm-hmm. that presence alone made her uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Just the presence of, of 20 plus black men, young black men, chilling in a small theater yep. somehow frustrated her so much that she couldn't even be in the theater now mind you we, we've been i've been to screenings for hunger games long <laughs> and like well, these these young girls are screaming yelling mm-hmm. the whole time mm-hmm. team edward like 
I get it. So I've, we've been in much more, even some of the Marvel stuff. It gets them nerds get crazy. Seriously, but so but this was totally different. This was just, just a bunch of young black men, and and that's something, right? Whether it be a peaceful protest, whatever, right? Just the presence of blackness offends people because, especially in a space where you can't unsee it. So you can't, mm-hmm. you can't, like for instance, some someone like Russell Wilson who's black, right? Right. The way he carries himself, you can pretend he's not black. Mm-hmm. You could pretend, even though he's married to Sierra, like right. you could pretend he's not. You can watch the Seahawks game, see number three running around, and pretend he's an athlete, right? He gets up there, gives these robot answers, go Hawks, and he's out, mm-hmm. right? But you look at someone, um, I don't know. Um, I don't want to say Cam Newton. That's a bad example. But like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but like, you look at Luke Cage, and you can't watch it and pretend you're not watching something black mm-hmm. on television. Mm-hmm. Just like we were talking about Atlanta earlier, like you can't watch Atlanta on FX and pretend it's a show about a guy trying to make music. No, it's a show right. about young black dudes in Atlanta trying to make music and get out of their situation and their experience yeah. going through those struggles. And they touch like early on. Atlanta touches on mental health. It touches on hmm. uh, homophobia. It touches on just being broke. Mm-hmm. It touches on all that. And through the lens of like what how do young people of color see this right i think and so when you watch luke cage it's a superhero show through the lens of like a black man in harlem so even Mm -hmm. when you go back to cage's backstory where it's it's the prison it's all that right like it's through that lens of a dude who's an inmate who says he's innocent and wants out and Mm -hmm. gets caught up with these illegal stuff and this fights in prison and all this other stuff happens like it's told through a, a specific lens and you can't avoid seeing it yeah. whether it's m- mostly chocolate looking cast or the <laughs> right. dialogue like you can't mm-hmm. there's no there's, there's no time for you to come up for air and say oh this is something else it's not yeah. it's you're in it and you're in it from episode one in the barbershop to the very 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 last frame of the show and they, they don't let you go from it and mm-hmm. it shouldn't offend you and it shouldn't nope. feel divisive it, it should not but at the same time like it is an experience right. that a lot of people have never experienced. For us, I think it's something we have experienced. Right. So we're just like, good to see my experience on television. <laughs> right. This is great. <laughs> mm-hmm. this, this is a nice, a nice thing. But and, versus like, and it will be interesting. Like now with Luke Cage, with Black Panther coming out next year, people are going to but see. But, here's the thing with Black a different Panther, side they, of Marvel. They can say it's Africa and and not. Right. But with Luke Cage, like, that is a black man in America. Yep. So with, 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 you can say it's mystical and it's all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you can push it to the side and say this is Africa, d- mm-hmm. despite all the black people in it. Um, <laughs> right. I think I think the film is going to be Spider-Man Homecoming. Will you get which, this interracial relationship yeah. thing popping? Which, as many as we see in this world, like mm-hmm. it's still something that people... It, not only that, we're going to see it in, with our hero, mm-hmm. with his friends... And yep. that's going to be the thing. But Spider-Man is so... I'm wearing a Spider-Man shirt right now. Yes, he Spider-Man is. Spider-Man <laughs> is so beloved mm-hmm. that I think people will do their best to not see it as much as they can. If it if it offends them or feels mm-hmm. divisive. But you can't unsee You can't do that with Luke Cage. You can't... No. There's no corner to hide or behind. There's no... I, let me skip this black episode about the history of Harlem. Right. Or, we're talking about Dolomite. Let, let, let me go to yeah. episode two. Let me nope. fast forward this. Epis- oh, there, yeah. there's... Here's... <laughs> Raphael Sadiq singing a song. Ah, oh, episode one, like that was amazing. I think that's one of the things I loved about the show. And someone said it on Twitter, and it said it reminded them of New York Undercover. Right. And I said to myself, yes, I hadn't even thought about that. But it, it was very much. Mm-hmm. 
and these weren't just this wasn't like Chris Brown up there dancing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. These were like contemporary artists. These were Delphonics, old artists, new artists. Right. Yeah, just D Nice is up there spinning. Mm-hmm. Like what? What other show was doing that? Yeah. Like what other show was like? You know what? We're gonna have Raphael Sadiq. We're gonna have what's his name? Jindaya, whatever his name mm-hmm. is. We're gonna have uh, what's my man? I forgot his name. Charles. Forgetting his name, oh, I, yeah, I know yeah. What you're talking about, but and you can I have mean, all like, these people on the show, like just randomly they'll cut into this club that feels like like the Cotton Club, and these people mm-hmm. just singing, and people having a good time, and during like nothing pops off during these songs. There's mm-hmm. conversations, but it's right. not like there's a song and then there's a shootout. There's a song and then there's a dope mm-hmm. deal. It's like no, these are just young old black people in this space enjoying themselves. Right? It was it was a moment of clarity. Right, it was but, a moment of. Of peace and structure. Yeah. Not to get all extra super political, but right. But think, <laughs> but think about the debate, right? Trump talks about Black America as if it's a crime spree every five minutes that we can't walk down the street without getting shot. But for most of us, like I know those aren't the Black people you know, right? right. And they're not the ones I know. Mm-hmm. So for most of us, we live a regular life like everybody else. But there literally is a section of America that doesn't believe that. When I was in middle school i was in kent and i was going to transfer to garfield in seattle and mm-hmm. <clears throat> so i told my teacher i told my counselor yo i'm transferring to garfield you know she's signing my papers to give me whatever i need to go she starts crying says she doesn't want me to go to garfield because she's afraid i'm gonna get shot oh man literal like for me like we're at the same distance we are right now <laughs> right. so i go home to my dad now listen as a former reference i was from northern california mm-hmm. my cousins live in east oakland Visit mm-hmm. him every year, so I was from an like that was a reality for some mm-hmm. situations that they yeah, had yeah. been in, in in certain sections of Sacramento. So I went home to my dad, like, "Yo, where are you sending me to?" Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, where like, where am I going? Mm-hmm. Like this, is like some school from the movies where kids getting shot up all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, "Nah, uh, I don't no. think so." And I got to Garfield the first day, and it wasn't that right. So <laughs> of course per- it was not because like, but the perception. It's so real yep. to people. Exactly. And so for some, Luke Cage's perception of what blackness is, not only specifically in Harlem, but like in America, what that black experience can be, especially for black men and black women, um, it's not bizarre to us. But for some, if your perception is one thing, yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. this is, it feels like fantasy to you. And it shouldn't, right? Despite all the black professionals officers and mm-hmm. teachers and people who do do good in these communities the president the president despite that yeah he just gets left off <laughs> right. um, as if he didn't really happen but like despite all of that like people will, will hold on to the worst stereotypes mm-hmm. and i think luke cage is reminded to people and this may what feels divisive that that's not a reality like yeah. that's and and to the false. to the point where he even acknowledges it in right. the show Luke Cage, as much as he wants to be part of this community, right. and in the original storyline, his original backstory from the comics, he was from Harlem. Right. In this show, he is from Georgia, you know, where Seagate Prison is, yeah. and I have to go back there, and that was kind of an odd point in the show. They got there quick. Real quick. I was like, back and forth. That was quick. Right. Um, but in, so in the comics, like, he was from Harlem. Everybody knew him. One of the themes of this show is that, like, no one really knew who he was, and he was this outsider, which was okay. Like it, it, it kind of fit, mm. but it was one of those things where this is still his experience uh, uh, in this community right. and the perceptions around it. Right. 
no one cared. No one was like, oh, I think he is from Georgia. Like, no, man, that like, was never a thing. No. Yeah. So once, I mean, once start, certain things started happening in the series and more stuff started coming up, it, be, you know, it kind of became a thing. But at the same time, it was his experience in this neighborhood with what was going on. Wow. So, but yeah. So, <laughs> which one were we were on? Oh, yeah, we were on the hook. The, hook. the, the central theme, which was redemption. Right. So, all the characters have it for various reasons, for various motivations. How do you, how do you feel about Mike Coulter as Luke Cage? Physically? Physically. It, yeah, works perfectly. it works perfectly. Yeah. Because physically, people, when they want to talk about what, like, fan casting, you know, oh, we need someone like The Rock. We mm-hmm. need someone like Vin Diesel. No, no. no. We do not. Because mm-hmm. if you were to see The Rock in real life, you're like, good God, that is a superhero. Right. Like, he is gigantic. Mm-hmm. Mike Coulter is just big enough mm-hmm. where you see people like that in the regular world. Believable. Believable. Like, he is like, all right, that is a big dude. Like, he lives in the gym. Right. And that was the thing. Is like, like those 900-pound dumbbells I'll never lift. Like, he's <laughs> not that guy. And that was the nice thing is, like, this brother took off his shirt a lot. He did not have a six-pack, eight-pack, or anything. He was strong. Mm-hmm. Like, he was physically strong, but not over the top. And mm-hmm. I think that was the thing that, in all of these comic book movies, mm-hmm. when they show, especially a male right. hero, this man is cut out of wood. Right. Like, he is gigantic. He has a six-pack. This was perfect in mm-hmm. the sense where whenever he did pull up his shirt, it was real. Mm-hmm. Like, you can be incredibly strong and not have to be like that. Right. Like, the first scene of Chris Evans when he comes out of the tank in Captain America. You're like, oh, yeah, you did have a super soldier right. serum. I got it. <laughs> right. But with this, so I think the casting of it physically worked perfectly. Right. I think that it was just close enough without going over the top. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that you could bump into mm-hmm. uh, that would hurt a lot if you bumped into. But you could bump into him on the street. But you could bump into yeah. him. Someone like, you know, Chris Hemsworth, Thor, or Chris Evans, like, a little bit different. Uh, to his performance, mm-hmm. he was good, but not great. And I think, unfortunately, with these Netflix shows, that is kind of the theme. Yeah. Almost all of the characters, and so far in Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and, and Luke Cage, the main person, they can be really good, but something about it does not really elevate it into this was a phenomenal performance. Right. So he was, Mike Coulter, like, I mean, he did a great job. Right. Something about it, it was a little bit stiff. It was a little bit wooden. I, I think he, he's really, really good during the Luke the Luke Cage stuff, but like when he's when the, the backstory when he's back at Seagate, and he's supposed to have mm-hmm. this emotional connection. Like that stuff faltered a little because I don't know if he has the range for like when he went full on Frederick Douglass with his hair, <laughs> his hair Ooh, and his beard. This man, because <laughs> um, like, yeah. he's such a you know he's got such a stoic look that it was hard to see any sort of emotional range. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like sort of sort of what we see with Mark Wahlberg a lot. Like he's. Interesting this guy, so mm-hmm. it's hard. Like Deepwater Horizon was the only thing I really saw him show, show some range in recently, mm. other than Boogie Nights. Right. Um, so yeah, so he has this look that's perfect, and he, he's got certain things like hundred percent. Then mm-hmm. you get to like the emotional stuff, this emotional weight, these emotional conversations he's having, the ones with Diamondback, the ones with with everyone else, and you just get the sense that okay, if if I'm casting and I say 
this doesn't 100 percent work i'm probably cool with it because everything else right. works exactly well um but yeah he, he struggled there unlike you know other characters i feel like because even like alfred wooder's character she makes a flip towards the end yeah it was like oh oh okay okay <laughs> but but she's such a skilled actress that she's able yeah. to pull that off and make it a hundred percent believable that she's got this whole she gets in this room and it, it's like a uh, someone flipped the switch yeah. and she's going off mm-hmm. and it felt very real like oh she it it did and i think i mean that that goes to a lot of things it goes to experience goes yeah. to you know a, a lot of that one thing though speaking of emotion right. that i really really enjoyed one this show showed men crying mm-hmm. and yeah. that is okay and that yeah. is awesome two nothing men crying it showed black men crying. Right. That is something that unfortunately we do not see. Right. And that that was it was important to see. Right. It was special. It didn't see take that, away from any of their masculinity because not they, at all. They cried and they cried during moments where people would probably cry. Like it was a natural human emotion. <laughs> it was not like it was not heightened. It was not right. something where they were just you know falling out. Things were going on right. in their life at that time, and it was. I think that, that maybe that was why it worked so well. Right. Is because it was in moments that made sense. Right. And so for a show to talk about and to show black men crying mm-hmm. and black men emotional right. is super important. Right. Uh, and not just, and for men in general. Yeah. We don't we, get a lot of it. We really do not. It's not some sappy romantic comedy. <laughs> I just, like, this show is tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough. <clears throat> it's hard all the way through. And there were moments really good emotional moments where they were able to inject like a real emotion with men crying about things that necessary to cry about mm-hmm. without missing a beat without feeling exactly like it was oh we're taking this turn now where's this emotional thing it like, was not no. dehumanizing it was not no. yeah it was not unmasculine no like it just it made sense right um and so the show did a great job with that showing that side of men on the flip side yeah the women in this show was the strongest part. Woo! Like the women are incredibly strong, and that again is very important to see. Not just strong female characters, but strong female characters that have purpose. Right. Strong female characters that you believe, and they are what carried this show. Yeah, it's it, hard. Yeah. It felt like from beginning to end, the female characters grounded the show mm-hmm. and made it just kind of real where it's like those are real reactions whether it's someone who has kind of a mental well okay a couple of them have mental break, <laughs> uh, <laughs> mental break. <laughs> almost all of them do now that i think about it but even for even a small character like the inspector who shows up played by karen pittman at the mm-hmm. show, looking at, like oh she, the, the she shows up she's a strong character like, ridley e- or whatever immediately yeah immediately walks in the door like i'm the boss Mm-hmm. And we're doing. You're doing what the boss says. Oh, the other one, not yeah. Ridley, the the first one. Right. No, 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 no. Ridley. Okay. Yeah. yeah, R- yeah. Ridley pops up and it's like, yeah, right. Yeah. And you know, the male partner is the bumbling partner who's just like yeah. stumbling <laughs> through everything, trying to figure life out. But yeah, it, it made sense that you know she she showed up and immediately sort of commanded the room mm-hmm. um, with her performance. And that was like good to see that they didn't replace her with like another guy coming in as inspector like no another woman came in yeah she was not the sidekick yeah she wasn't the sidekick and that was huge there was only even the moments where that could have happened right where alfred woodard you know 
maybe could have been considered the sidekick, mm-hmm. there were multiple times where she would step up. Right. And she's like, no, this is what is happening. Mm-hmm. With Night Nurse, Claire Temple. Mm-hmm. Not even a spoiler alert. I think she was in one of the trailers. Yeah, she was in. She is the linchpin for all of these Marvel shows, Netflix shows, so no but, surprise. But, but, she yeah, but, but even the, the lady who, who Luke Cage is paying her into, right? Mm-hmm. It's not her husband, it's her. Yeah, Connie, or yeah, yeah Genghis she, Connie, yeah. which hashtag team dad joke. That was awesome. <laughs> you have a restaurant called the Genghis Connie. I love yeah. that. <laughs> but uh, but even like that's the person he's dealing with. Like she's the one making decisions. It's it's her. Like he's yep. got like two lines maybe. Mm-hmm. It's her. She's the one who's doing the talking. She's the one who speaks. And it wasn't some stereotypical like they're part of the triad or they're part right. of like they were just owned a restaurant mm-hmm. and owned a building and people paid rent to it. The other thing that I thought I really really appreciated about <clears throat> about the show. And some of the performances mm-hmm. um, was like just the little people, like the reporter mm-hmm. shows up, yeah. uh, the other political people who pop in and out of the show, very strong characters, very diverse characters. Mm-hmm. And it all kind of blended well. It felt like a very realized world that they created. Um, and I, I liked it. It's, it's, it was the little things, right? Those yeah. things are the little linchpins that sort of keep the show running together. And it worked well. None of it felt out of place or out of step. And yeah, I think I think that is the other important thing mm-hmm. is with these 13 episodes, which is 13 hours, some people and sometimes it can be like, oof, did it need to be 13 hours? Right. Did, you know, with this, like, yes, you could always trim a little bit of fat. Right. Like, of course you can. Mm-hmm. But the reason that we care about these characters so much, even those side characters, right. is because we get to know them. Yeah, you spend time Even in that... 20 minutes spread out over two episodes mm. when that person pops up again you're like okay right i remember them from last time this and this and this right. so it still made sense so going back to going back to you know the 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 breakdown as mm. far as the song after the hook we have the tone or the style mm-hmm. so the tone and style basically the show would be the story structure okay because just like with any song, just like with any album, mm-hmm. you should have a beginning, a middle, and an end. But for honest, some don't. Some do not. But think, think of the Rockweiler by Method Man and Redman. Great okay. song, really yes. short, uh-huh. first verse, end. Done. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. There's barely even an intro. Mm-hmm. Just bars, bars, and then the song is over, right? <laughs> right. But then you think about something like We Major by Kanye West. Mm. which starts off with like these horns and there's like a choir and it's got a cameo the, the beat flips like yeah yeah, yeah or, but it's still a song juicy juicy i mean good that tells his whole story right beginning middle and not end but beginning middle and current right to where he was verses, at that point yeah. it made sense it made sense so with this with the story structure right. how did you feel about the story structure was there that Maybe not beginning, middle, end. Was it you know kind of beginning and end? Was it was it seamless? It, it gave us okay. So it gave us who Luke Cage is now mm-hmm. post Jessica Jones. It starts yep. off, um, you know, the first few episodes. It starts with like okay, here's going to be the thing we're we're chasing all episodes. So you think mm-hmm. then episode seven it flips, yep, and goes a completely <laughs> different direction. Introduces a couple new more a couple new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a whole different route he's going. There's still some of the similar players. Um, and there isn't really like a 
thing in sight he's trying to do other mm-hmm. than at some point clear his name. Yeah, redemption. redemption. Kind of going, going back to he's that. He's not really trying to save anyone. Mm-hmm. He's just sort of there trying to get redemption and this you know, other person shows up and wants yeah. you know wants him. But he's yeah. not running. But it, it goes back to the, you know, he's just like knowing your purpose and, and walking that path and he mm-hmm. was you know, he has that moment <clears throat> during the backstory episode where he decides, I'm gonna be this person now. Yep. I'm gonna you know, I should have did better. I'm gonna do my best to sort of be this person. And then that sort of carries through the rest of the rest of the season. So it does take that flip as a story, but it worked. I could see it frustrating some people if you mm-hmm. went in expecting one thing because you got these great characters at the beginning mm-hmm. and they're just gone. They're just mm-hmm. gone. You're like, ooh, I hate that guy. And you're like, oh, he's not here anymore? Okay. <laughs> well, I'm some, on to someone else to hate. And yeah. the new, the newer, it's diving back, it's thrust in the story. Mm-hmm. It was kind of mentioned here mentioned and there. Mentioned here and, and there. Then he becomes, just shows becomes, up. Becomes a character. Right. And that, His motivations are completely not even seen they come out of left yeah. field completely out of left field yeah and that was something that speaking of story structure, like a comic you know what i mean the way they yeah. just throw like you get a new issue like oh who's this guy true he's in here beefing for no reason yeah and you got to understand why he has beef and what that beef means and what it means to our character and how it drives our character to get to whatever end goal they want to get to yeah and yeah i i can see that with the story structure with me if you're thinking, and again, I kind of thought about this like an album. Mm-hmm. You have the A side and you have the B side. I'm oh. going way back. Okay. Uh, kids, ask your parents what an A <laughs> side. There's definitely an A side, B side. <laughs> and a B side. Some good B side records, though. The B side of this, man, did it take a turn. It took a turn. Like, honestly, like episode seven, like right at that mid ground, that midpoint, flipped the script. Yeah. You know, here's funny. I don't think that works if it's not, if you don't get all 13 episodes at once. Agreed. I don't think it works. I think yep. people are like, people come back for the mid-season break like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it would be too dramatic in, Way like a, in, a, tra- too dramatic in a traditional yeah. broadcast schedule. But even when I was weird, watching it, it... It doesn't completely change course. It, it, story theme-wise, doesn't, it kind of changes course. Right. But it feels like a huge shift. Yeah. Because really strong characters are immediately ejected from Major the things happen, and again, we're not spoiling yeah. anything, major things happen that change the tone. Yeah. And to me... When it it changes just, what you think or where you think the show was going. Yes. And, and it does. And I think... And again, there mm. was a reason that back in the day, when yeah. people had cassette tapes, there was an A-side and a B-side. Right. The A-side, like, those were the bangers. Those were the thing. Those were the songs that you heard on the radio... The B-side, it was like, singles. Yeah, the B-side, it was like, okay, these are new things. Yeah. Let, me, let me see if I like them. A little experimental. Yeah. Some, some weird remixes. <laughs> right. A couple of random features. Like, that's weird. You would do a song with that person. And that was exactly how I felt with this show. Right. The A-side is strong. Yeah. The A-side are those singles. The B-side, that was where they started doing some different things, introducing but I, but different the, you people. Know, if the last two records on the B-side are episodes 12 and 13, they're good. Yes, they're yeah, strong. The, the tracks, yeah. And they, and they feel more like the A-side than the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, gets, it gets a bit cartoonish on, the, on that B-side mm-hmm. and some of those middle. It sort of drags a bit. The, again, the, the female characters carry that whole yep. B-side. <laughs> oh, especially the B-side. Yeah, especially, you know, I didn't know Rosario Dawson was going to have such a big role. Mm-hmm. She shows up. She's a strong character. And, you know, we talked about Mike Coulter sort of 
fading because okay so the b-side has all these emotional pulls yes and because coulter's not good at it i'm not saying he's bad <laughs> not not as good as others not as good as others at it him being the main character like that piece really feels like it's in quicksand but mm-hmm. then you get rosario dawson uh you get simone missick you get Alfred Woodard. You mm-hmm. get uh, I keep forgetting her name. Who played the Karen Pittman? Who yeah, played Pittman, Inspector Ridley? Who are strong? And they're yep. just like, and even when they do the backstories with uh, Mama Mabel, like, yeah, just strong. And they just carry. They're like, all right, get on our backs. We're gonna make sure we get through these mm-hmm. few episodes. Then we can finally get to some superhero, superhero and stuff right. happening at the end. And it's the payoff. You get like, oh, all right, cool. We get some cool superhero stuff. The last couple episodes, we get to see. Luke Cage do Luke Cage things and mm-hmm. it, it works right but through that quicksand like they really helped the show get through yeah they, they were the driving force right they were the consistent driving force right. uh through everything um going back to the like that cartoony comic yeah. booky this even though you had Daredevil season one and two uh, particularly season two when he was in the costume the right. whole time right this one, when it starts going down that costumed path, right. it started to lose me. Right. Because I think... Because that's that random shootout that they have. Yeah, and like when, when you have a character who shows up in the second half, mm-hmm. who then kind of develops into the, into the main you know, antagonist, mm-hmm. and it just it started to kind of... I, maybe they're trying to bridge that gap and lead into the Marvel Cinematic Universe a right. little bit harder. Mm-hmm. This it maybe it was too early. Maybe right. I just am, I was not ready for it. It it just felt totally different because yeah, what you what you would get was so all right. So let's take for instance, there's the big shootout and there's a meetup, right? But then you have mm-hmm. that scene uh, early on <clears throat> where it's that meeting with Diamond and Diamond back, Diamond back and his little flunky dude mm-hmm. and Turk. Oh, and right. It's a very cool interesting scene this turk has that dialogue where he's like hey man i'm not this dude you know what like i'm doing business with him mm-hmm. oh cotton mouth yeah cotton mouth. yeah no 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 not cotton mouth it's 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 uh it's turk and diamond back and the other guy and turk says they're leaving oh okay and turk, okay and turk says you know hey i do business with this man like mm-hmm. he's not just bossing me around because he was like oh you're in here with me you just right. like me he's like i ain't just like you but which was a very <laughs> yeah. real conversation to yeah. be like i'm not some flunky dude like i'm here to do business and i'm gone mm-hmm. He's not bossing me around. Like, mm-hmm. We're doing business. That's what this is. Um, so you take those very like which that could easily have been a scene in the wire, right? But then oh, you yep. but then you're mixing that with like this like four foot eleven Hispanic dude having a shootout, <laughs> and then like oh Domingo, yeah, and then this thing that's in a chest, and we find out what it is. You're like, what was what, what was all that extra? Like you open it and it's glowing. Like like that was unnecessary, right? Like oh, what is this? Oh, what did he call it? Uh, destiny or destruction something he gave us some stupid yeah. name but it's like it's a bomb mm-hmm. thanks man that's you i didn't need all those extras like what did you buy oh i bought this this crazy carrying item this glitter it's like oh you bought a purse just say it's a purse man like they really they really go on the extra with that and it just felt it felt very comic booky when it didn't have to be mm-hmm. but when you put in these really cool scenes um like the, the the interrogation scene towards the end with Alfred Woodard was really good, but she mm-hmm. sort of flips. Yep. Um, and you know she has her Kaiser Soze moment where she's like, "Oh, I'm out of here," right? Yeah. But that's but it works. Yeah. But all that's mixed into like this very bizarre. Although I enjoyed it, but this is like 
for as much realness is in the show, it ends with a really bizarre setup at the end. We're it, like, yeah. how? Okay, if all these other things are happening, they feel very real and grounded. Mm-hmm. How is this last big fight scene happening? Yep, in Harlem, and how? I and mean, was everyone reacting this way? Yeah, and all. I mean, I was waiting for someone to yell out, "World Star!" I know. <laughs> like, like I, I mean, how, it was just. It wasn't just that it was happening. Like everyone was reacting that way. Yeah, <laughs> like everyone was sort of reacting like, "Okay, this is happening. Yeah. How about we do this?" Like, hey, here. Something really dangerous is happening. Let's all cheer. It's like, it reminds me of Amazing Spider-Man where everyone's still in Times Square watching Electro and Spider-Man fight. I'm like, people are dying. Mm-hmm. You're just Bounce. like, yeah, Spider-Man. It's like, you should probably go home. <laughs> right. You should probably go home. This is not the scene you want to you be a part of. Yeah, you should probably go home. You don't want to be standing around. The police, are, everyone's standing around and they get to cheer at the end. Like, this isn't... This isn't. And the, you have to think about it like, okay, would that have happened in the Daredevil Hell's Kitchen universe? No. Would that have happened in the kind of Hell's Kitchen slash Uptown Jessica Jones? No. No. Would this happen in Harlem in real life? Mm, Possibly. You know, and so, like, it, you have to kind of think about that. Like, think of the neighborhoods, think of the boroughs. But, like, but, but this is, for me, here's my problem is it's all connected to, to a world where we've seen these superhero freaks pop up. Yeah. There's been destruction, and people have died. There's been the Sokovia Accord, like, all these things mm-hmm. have happened. So, I don't know if that's. A real public reaction. That makes sense. Because, I mean, if you're selling DVDs of the incident... Yeah, no. Someone recording it definitely feels very right. real. But, but someone hanging it, out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone, like, in the cut trying to get trying to get Luke Cage on video makes sense. But, like, a, a crowd of people watching yeah. seems very... Like, okay, this is this is cheesy. But, I, but, but after that, I, I thought... Again, after that, like, the last little beat where you know they're wrapping up the show, it mm-hmm. feels very real. Like yeah, stuff at the police station, the conversation with Misty Knight, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what happens with Luke at the end, um, mm-hmm. you know, e- even even something like what, what was my man's name, uh, Bobby Fisher, Fish, yeah, like, yeah, man, I just cleaned up this place. Like that's a very real <laughs> reaction he has because mm-hmm. he's like he's pretty much tired of what's happening. Like stuff yep. keeps going wrong at the barbershop. And he's you know as soon as he gets it all clean, it's, it's bratted again. Um, but that all, st- that all, that all that stuff felt very real. Again, none of this ruined the show for me. Mm-hmm. But if I'm looking at the story structure, I'm like, those were weird beats to take in a show that I felt didn't need it. But I guess part of it needs that comic book feel to make it feel. I, yeah, I, I think so. But now that we have had four seasons of this. But they've all ended that Dare- way. Daredevil 1 and 2 and they Jessica Jones and this. Because Daredevil like, 2 was that big rooftop fight scene. We're like, right. where all these ninjas go? They just disappear Bounce. at the end. We, yeah, I think we just, talked about that. Yeah, like, we did. <laughs> they, just, they just go away. And Jessica Jones was this big thing at the dock. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I've got on headphones. He can't get in my brain. Okay? Yeah. So that begs the question, though. Since we have had 13 episodes mm-hmm. of all of these, I think, or did we have 12 of Daredevil? Uh, we might have had 12 of the first yeah. Daredevil. But yeah, we got 13 episodes. Is this too much? No. Okay. It's not if you know what to fill it with. No. Okay. Because I, I think that is where it kind of comes in. Is like, yes, we are spoiled. <laughs> we are so we spoiled. spoiled that we are thinking like, but here's oh, the thirteen thing. hours of a comic book show. I think, too much. I think the struggle is like Stranger Things was eight episodes. Exactly. And just that was what was I was like, going to talk about. It's like it was the, in and out, and it was done. Yeah, the BBC yeah, has been doing this it. for a long, long time. They give you six episodes. Yeah, three episodes. They give you four of Sherlock, episodes. They give an hour and a half each. Like, but imagine, imagine if Luke Cage was three episodes and they were an hour and a half each. I think there could. I mean, 
Just like with all these so shows. So you do... You that do, there could have been a lot of fat that was trimmed, yeah. but the development of the characters... He's trying to set it up. I would have did Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. The Luke Cage Cottonmouth stuff. Okay. First half hour. Um, it, and that end, it ends with the, with, the, with the club scene at the end with Cottonmouth. Okay. The first hour and a half? First like hour first and a half. Episode? Second okay. hour and a half episode is all the backstory. Okay. Cottonmouth's backstory. It's um, Luke Cage's backstory. Mm-hmm. It's everyone's backstory we need. All the backstories get lumped in. Okay. Maybe you come back and forth with reality. Yeah. Third is Diamondback and all that. Mm-hmm. And you end it. And it, it could but, work. But, but you, you cut all that fat you don't yeah. need. You cut all of it. Mm-hmm. And you get to know... It, an hour and a half is enough to spend time... Maybe you cut out some characters you don't need. Like, you don't need Domingo. Like, it's not necessary. Right. Right. I, not, it was fine, but it's not necessary. Yeah. You can cut out, you can cut out all that. And, like, and in, you know, in that time frame, you could tell a strong story. But I felt like with 13 episodes, I think they, they, they did what they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff they cut out. Oh, I, I am sure. But I wouldn't want them cutting the music scenes. I wouldn't no. want them cutting the club stuff. No. I wouldn't <laughs> want them cutting some of that dialogue. There was one club scene <laughs> that I... <laughs> You didn't even get in the Diamondbacks shading everybody. You call a dude Diet Obama. He said, take Diet <laughs> yep. Obama upstairs. And Would then you? said, yes, we can. Like, the dude was funny. Yeah. Do you, do you remember him from, from uh, Boardwalk Empire? That was what I was trying to figure out. I was Boardwalk like, Empire. This guy looks real familiar. He came in smiling and just yeah. being good and evil. Um, but yeah, he, he had all kinds of zingers for everybody. Um. But even but you know I I I wish they got into some of the pushback between him and Shades. Yeah, there was clearly tension there. Oh yeah, just, I mean Shades was loyal, but there was clearly like we were in the club and Shades was like, "Hey man, you're doing this wrong." And he's just like pretty much. Shut he was up. like, "Whoa, whoa, you think that you get this? Yeah, you don't get to tell him what to do." Yeah, but like how how real that was. Um, mm-hmm. That would have been nicer mm-hmm. instead of like I didn't need all that scruffy Luke Cage in a prison like. Yeah, that that was that was an was an interesting choice. There was and the doctor stuff lasts a little too long to go to Georgia. The doctor mm-hmm. was like, and he randomly shows up later. It's like, how did yeah. you get? How did you even? How? Mm-hmm. And again, Magic? part of that because of comic books, because of all of that. Like, yeah, I get it. You get it. Like, I mean, I stuff, get it. Stuff shows up. Uh, there, one of the club scenes though, towards the end. So we will not we will not spoil in it. Yeah. Spoil it, but it went on too long. Yes, and again, talking about the reactions of people in that yeah. atmosphere, right. like if that is actually happening, did not make sense. Um, <clears throat> but, but you know, I don't want to lose like so the cameo in episode twelve, like this, the interaction was very real. Like I don't, that was a, a really cool thing in a show. Like I don't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. It's very specific to Luke Cage. Like I don't know who else is doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because like the character's like it's you, he's like nah man it's you. No, it is you. <laughs> and so they're having this moment, uh, this dope. But I yeah. don't, you know, I don't want to lose any of that. You know, it's nitpicking on a show that I that I thoroughly enjoyed, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping gets a season two. But we're definitely getting defenders. Like that's happening. Yeah. So I mean, that is the thing. Is like, and that'll be the cool thing to see him interact with everyone else. Because we have already seen him interact with Jessica saw? Jones. Yeah. We have. Do we we have not seen him interact with Daredevil? No. Um, we had a couple of missions of her lawyer friend. Yeah, which was great, and that was just enough. Just enough. Just enough. I thought he was going to show up. I, as a lawyer. I was hoping not. As a lawyer, I was hoping not. Because I think again, 
it is good that they give you those little nuggets, the little even Easter the eggs. End, even just the end, if he just walked in like, hey, I heard you needed some help. Mm-hmm. I need someone. I need I, a bodyguard. If it was at the very end, if it was at the very end, it would have been okay. But I think they started mentioning him, you know, if, a few if, episodes in. So if I, he said, I needed help. We had a short conversation. He said, I have money to pay. He said, that's cool. You can be my bodyguard. Mm-hmm. And if he had said, if I might have cried, if then if Luke Cage had said something like, "What, like some hero for hire?" Yeah, boom, <laughs> like that would have been. I might have choked up. Yeah, but you know, what do I know? Yeah. Um. So yeah, so we are getting a defenders. That getting is defenders. Iron Fist is first because we saw we saw the night nurse take a little self defense thing off. Mm-hmm. The, I saw that. So if she starts taking classes from Danny Rand, like, she is. We know that's how like, she, she's, she's the she's the linchpin in all these shows. She, yeah, that's how she gets in. So that will be an interesting. And that she'll be the one that connects Luke Cage with Danny Rand. Yeah, and that will be an interesting transition because again, this show started to push the boundaries right. of comic book, TV, costume battle with Iron Fist. Like, if you start going into the mystical stuff, I think we're gonna get it with Doctor Strange, so it's not gonna feel weird when it comes. I, I, and I think it has to lead in. I think there has to be some sort of that'll be the lead in. It'll be Doctor Strange. That'll be the okay. thing that. People are like, okay, there's a whole mystical side of Marvel, which is ne- mm-hmm. if you're going to do Infinity Wars, it's Jeez. very necessary. <laughs> yeah. And and it's going to be part of Black Panther. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to give us an origin during the movie or what, but but Strange is going to introduce it. Strange has that Infinity Stone around his neck. It's yep. going to be very fascinating. The Eye of Agamotto. Eye of Agamotto, yep. yeah. So, yeah, I think they're going to bring it in. And, um, yep. and they've already filmed some stuff for Iron Fist, so I don't know. They did, which he looked like he was straight off of Coachella. Like he, did. he, he did look like in some hemp clothing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if, if the action's anything like um, Daredevil, and that's the thing, the action in this was different. The action was just very, very Luke different. Throwing people through walls, mm-hmm. which again, and punching people Daredevil. In the face. He was a ninja. He trained to be a ninja, mm-hmm. so it was much more martial arts. This was, I just need to fight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run through you. Like I just, <laughs> yeah. like whether I'm gra- like there were some great scenes yeah. at one point when he grabs. Uh, someone from the ground who just throws him into the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> just like well, that scene when he shows up, he was like, "I ain't gotta say anything," and then dude just take off. Like you, you don't know who I am. Yeah. Like, do I need to say? Something? Yeah. They just because I'd run too. Yeah. They knew guns wouldn't work. They knew. Yep. And one of the other things that you know, there's that scene where the police are just profiling people. It was like it's a very yeah. real scene. Mm-hmm. Everybody with a hoodie's getting stopped mm-hmm. and, and and frisked and checked and. If you know, stop and frisk, you know, is unconstitutional, but right, it's something that did happen in our country, and that's mm-hmm. very then that's something that would really happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we were talking before we started recording about designated survivor, and there's so in the second, so the first episode is Congress and everybody gets blown to pieces, right? Right, so the, the first episode, so the second episode is sort of the state of Michigan decides they're gonna harass all these Muslim people, which mm. if there was a breakdown in government, would really happen. You get certain states that would be like, like Florida would be like, yeah, no, mm-hmm. we got to protect our citizens and doing all this unconstitutional stuff. And who's going to step in and check them? A Fr- guy yeah. who's not president for real? Friend of the show, Damian Randall yeah. and his Texas folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff would go crazy in Texas. Get out of there, Damian. <laughs> right. well, you know, but, but that's real. Like mm-hmm. that, That's something that would happen. So if there was a black man who they assumed, like none of this popped off with any of the violence. When they thought he mm-hmm. murdered a police officer that it became yep. like all hands on deck and they weren't going to take him alive. They're going to do it. And then they, they push through all these weapons, like all this stuff just to catch this black dude, which you can see happening. Yeah. Like, and even one of the characters says like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like yeah. a cop, like 
if a if cop we, gets if a, a cop dies, like heads are gonna roll. Right. Like with all of the other violence, like people can chalk it up like, ah, oh, whatever, inner city, the blah, blah, blah. But like, also Missy oof. Knight says if a cop gets them, they know they're gonna hit the streets. Right. And do we want them? Mm-hmm. So in you, the yeah, hands and you had both sides people. of it. So that was really nice because it was like on the one side, it's like heads are gonna roll, but then you have Misty Knight being like, Yeah, for everyone. Everybody. Like everybody, this is going to affect everybody. Everyone's gonna get it with these crazy bullets. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So it was that was interesting. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we were talking about before we were recording, so all of these shows take place in New York. Yes. When the Luke Cage first came out in the seventies, mm-hmm. this was a different New York. Yeah. Than anyone had ever seen. Because mm-hmm. keep in mind, back in the day, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, like all those guys. Every superhero is based in New York. You have the Fantastic Four, you have the X-Men, you have the Avengers. But this, even these shows, mm-hmm. is a different New York. It's a different New York. Because yeah. the, the characters you know, in this show who are like, oh, I have footage of the incident. Mm-hmm. That reminds you, like, that, when that happened in Avengers, mm-hmm. that was in the light of the day. That was in Manhattan. Like, everybody saw it. Everybody saw it. So like, I think they do a good job of showing you this is a totally different New York. Mm-hmm. This is New York that is fundamentally different. It's changed. The DNA of the city has changed, right? Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing that happened post 9-11. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, it happened in New York, but the whole fabric of our country changed because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, because if it was an incident that you can't unsee, you'll remember where you were when you, when you saw it. And I remember going to the airport after 9-11 and how different things, just how they felt. <laughs> oh, yeah. alone how they looked. Mm-hmm. How different things felt. Um and I think Marvel touches on that. Like, here's an incident in New York, and guess what? It's going to change the world and how we move, mm-hmm. uh, how we police. How we talk about things. Yeah. What is a terrorist? What isn't? Mm-hmm. Like, what's okay? Yeah. Is, is spying okay? Is it cool? Can we, we were talking about it earlier with phones, right? Are we cool <laughs> with right. access to our phones now if we feel like it's going to stop terrorism, right? So are you okay with rushing through some gun law because you feel like it's going to stop people who you assume are terrorists? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're okay with it. Yeah. Right? Because the other people who aren't going to, like, Harlem's going to get the boot on the neck when these guns hit the street, mm-hmm. right? And not Manhattan. Right. So you're okay with a certain community being in the crosshairs if things go left, mm-hmm. which is what we see constantly, right? You're okay with stop and frisk. You're okay with pulling people off planes because they have on hijabs because it's never going to be you who's going to be pulled off a plane. Mm-hmm. And this is stuff we're seeing in these Marvel shows where, like, some people are completely okay with, with government overreach and oversight mm-hmm. because it's never going to be them who gets harassed or, or pulled aside. It's never yep. going to be them. No. But, but in this New York yeah. that has ties to reality right. and what, what you were mentioning with 9-11 yeah. and the fictional version of 9-11, we'll call right. it, you yeah. know. Um, okay, yeah. A bunch of sirens are going off yeah. as we're talking about They're this. They're coming for us you now. Know? <laughs> Uh, so I think, I think it works. It works. I, th- I think it really works because it touches on those same types of things that would happen and did happen. I don't think people realize they're they're identifying with something that's already happened, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We're still a country in mourning, despite it happening 15 years ago, right? Yep. We we still see the effects of it. We feel the effects of it. It's there. It's heightened at, mm-hmm. at times where it shouldn't be, right? People yep. will run with whatever. If there was a, a as soon as a bomb goes off somewhere, we assume it's. ISIS or Al Qaeda or whoever, right? Mm-hmm. Without even knowing what those things mean, we just we've heard it and we've seen it and we believe it to be true. Um, so when there's an incident in New York and these comic shows, they assume it's a mutant. Yeah, 
or so, an so enhanced, or enhanced right? So, like that. and that's a, that's that's a storyline in this, right? They just they believe it's Luke Cage because mm-hmm. who else would it be? Without knowing any fact or any truth, they just buy into the fact that it's him because who else could it be? Yeah, um, which is a very real thing, and people don't realize that they're sort of subconsciously even through these comics, like reliving this sort of trauma and playing out all the hypocrisies and all the racism, whether it be <laughs> open or, or, or in the dark, right. behind it, um, through this comic book show, through like a Marvel Cinematic Universe, we keep doing it without realizing we're doing it. Yeah. And it just, yeah, one of, one of the other things we're talking about with the show, speaking of New York and the various connections and all of these shows so far in the right. Marvel Netflix universe, all of them are based in New York. Right. Iron Fist, I think, is going to be the first one to kind of break out of that yeah. and then come back to New York. So all of them are going to come back to New York for the Defenders. Uh, but yeah, so tan- tangentially related. Right. What Tim and I were talking about before the show mm-hmm. is even though none of these shows have taken place in Staten Island yet, Not yet. Uh, we, we have to make the comparison with these Netflix shows as the Wu-Tang Clan. Mm-hmm. Because one of these shows is going to be the one that does not resonate with everyone. It's right. going to be the one that gets underappreciated. Mm-hmm. And so things like like Iron Fist, I'm not sure how people are going to react to Iron Fist. I think some people are going to be like, oh, this is mysticism. This is more superhero-y. This is Marvel. But I'm not sure. So if we we're going to if we're going to go down the Wu-Tang path, I think Iron Fist, you know, is probably either going to be you know, the you god of, of the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> you, you got a lot of praise right now. Uh, well, yeah, I mean... You love... You, listen. You know, you got... I'm, gl- like, I'm glad you love you got. Never gets the Everyone respect. Everyone needs a fan. You know, that they deserve... You know, they, they deserve it. You know, with Daredevil, you might go with RZA because RZA was kind of the pioneer. RZA is the one who has risen to the top, you know, doing music scores. So, it just... It is interesting. You know, and of course, we're relating these because it is New York. No. And the show, especially this show, Luke Cage, focuses so much on hip-hop culture. Yeah. But for me, the, the, the Wu-Tang analogy really came in to play because it's, it's all these different parts that play well on the same chessboard without being the same. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you listen to that first Wu-Tang album, and it's all these different styles. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, how does this work together? Like how, do, right. how, does, how is it a thing that works? But it does work, and then you get these solo albums that work, and then you get like people who work well together. Like you, you'll get I don't know, uh, Ghostface, mm-hmm. who who who's great on his own, and then doing things like Ghost Doom, yeah, you know all of those. I mean, and right. so, and then to me that that's the shows, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, you know, Iron Fist is coming, and they're going to come together for Defenders. Mm-hmm show which is going to be like a wu-tang album where you get all these things playing mm-hmm. out together very well um so to me that's where it came from and that's and not even just wu-tang like that's any sort of rap group yeah right that's outcast well that's in, in particular family you know what i mean <laughs> mob deep you know no, like yeah, seriously. In, but i think particularly in wu-tang because i forget what comedian it was he was like, you know, I'm a black guy. I lived in New York in the 80s. I think I was part of Wu-Tang at some point. Because yeah. at one point, Wu-Tang had about 30 members. Yeah. But with these street-level Netflix shows, mm-hmm. they are so stylistically different, mm-hmm. yet have those same themes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we will see. We'll see. With, with I, the I Defenders, think, yeah. when all of them come together, which style are they going to go with? Or, like any good Wu-Tang album, 
are they going to have their individual styles that still work together in a cohesive way? I guess it depends on what story they're telling. Mm-hmm. Right? Because even Wu-Tang's second album was different than their first. Yeah. Right? But Iron Flag was way different than everything else because yeah, right. it was just like, after that, they only had about five people left. Yeah. But you, but in, in the moment, you know, it worked. But then you get someone like Method Man who could go and just do collabs with Mary J. Blige and, mm-hmm. and, and he's on Biggie's album and like, yeah. he was doing whatever, you know. But then you get someone popped up on Tupac's album. Like, that happens. Like, yeah. things happen. But I, I think we'll see which one of these characters is able to sort of have that sort of movement, whether it be different shows, um, right? So if there's an arc involving Jessica Jones, well, how how well is that going to work with on the show with Iron Fist? Like, it, it can work yeah. well in the comic, but how well is that how well is that going to work on the show? How well are they going to play off well, well off each other? I mean, the hope is that Iron Fist and Luke Cage team up absolutely like the comics like that's yeah. the hope but they may not that may be the route that may not be the route that they decide to go with they may do something completely different which i'm cool with i think they will i think they will somebody at some point during defenders is going to be like oh you mean power man and iron fist yeah like they're at least going to mention it because these shows do a really good job yeah. of just mentioning those little things like that uh in this show in luke cage right. a couple times when you know they call him power man yeah Pop, like, power, right? You know, little things like that. Like, those right. make me happy. Right. Because they're acknowledging the source material. Even that little nod to his original outfit. Oh, my God. So, it's good. episode it's good four was by far my favorite episode. Really? For me, it was episode seven. Really? See, ep- mm. Seven was just wild. Seven was wild. Seven was wild. Seven was wild. That's the, I like woke up. Like, oh, that, that was the B happening? side, though. Like, it was, it was a B flip, but I was cool. I was cool with it. Because okay. Because. I don't know. I'm weird like that. I was cool with the beat flip. I was cool with like, all right, this is going a different direction, but mm-hmm. I'm, let's see where this goes was where yeah. I was at. But yeah, four was good. Episode four, I think visually gave mm-hmm. all of us hardcore nerds. Like that was what the visual punch we were looking for. Mm-hmm. Cause it gave us little nods and you see it in, in one of the trailers. I think right. you see him with the gauntlets and the tiara. Yeah. Like there was that. And then a, one more piece yeah. that was great. Great. But what what I found interesting is when I was reading early reviews of this, mm-hmm. even like L.A. Times and things like that, uh, Mark Bernardin, they only gave them the first seven episodes to watch. Mm-hmm. Once I started watching this, and especially when I started feeling like this A-side and B-side of an album, I'm wondering if they only gave them those first seven episodes because the B-side yeah. was so different. Was so different. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. People weren't, everyone kept saying they had the first seven episodes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get why they didn't get the other six. But now it makes sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because it, it becomes a different show, not drastically, but it becomes a different show. For sure. It becomes a different show. Um, almost like a, a different season of a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I did like the introduction of some of the extra characters they did, you know, right. on that B side. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, the Mob of Mabel, who was kind of the. Madame Zenobia right. of Uptown Saturday Night, <laughs> right? You know, right. So I, it was interesting. It was just it felt very different, right? So, yeah. I mean, I we kind of so we went over the beat, right? The bars, mm-hmm. the hook, mm-hmm. the tone. So yeah, I, th- I think that kind of just kind of wraps up. What are some final thoughts, and what do you want to see next? I I enjoyed the show. I know it's going to. I'm looking forward to all the like. I just couldn't get into it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But I thought it was good. It just, I don't know, man. This is a good time in America to be reminded that being black is a beautiful thing. And it's mm-hmm. powerful and it's strong. And it's, it's you know, uh, Solange released an album recently. There's mm-hmm. a song on there where she talks about stuff being for us and being ours. And I think that's, sometimes we get stuff that's ours. That if you don't understand it, that's cool. Mm-hmm. It's not for you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You should not understand it. But if you don't, that's fine. Right. It's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And and to and to and to not hold back what you want to do because certain segments of our population won't understand it. Right. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Is what they do with the character, what they do with defenders, what they do um, moving forward with Iron Fist. Like they've been batting a thousand in my book. Like I'll take another day off work and watch whatever <laughs> because I feel <laughs> right. I feel like there's enough create for all for all that's been we've said. There's enough creativity in the show, enough originality, enough comic book stuff, mm-hmm. enough like. Like, people who cared about the character and cared about his placement in comic books, like, made this show. Right. And whether you love it or not, like, that, you can't not see that the, pe- the people cared who made it. And I'm I'm glad Marvel keep bringing in people who care to make these things. Mm-hmm. Because we look at, not, no, I'm not here to bash DC. Of course not. We look at no. DC like, they, 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 I, don't, I, don't, I don't have the feeling that they care. I have a feeling they care about making money. I don't mm-hmm. have a feeling that they care about, like, the character enough to make it what it is but it's funny you know when, when you watch the flash you get that from the flash oh, tv God. show yes so you, so good you get it from that show like oh these people care about the flash mm-hmm. whether it's how do you get the ring in the suit uh, the, the suit in the ring like what's all that every like the berlanti verse in oh, dc yeah. like they're nailing it on tv for whatever it. reason the transition to movies has not happened yet i think cause it, there's a, there's there's a lot more to gain and a whole lot to lose if you don't <laughs> hit it out the park yeah like hundreds of millions of dollars and they don't want to make that push and i'm hoping i'm hoping wonder woman's that thing mm-hmm. that, that sets it off where they finally realize how to do it right um but i don't know they're, they keep releasing images from justice league like, i don't know what they're doing no. but when you watch like i'm excited for dr strange because i know marvel cares about it well, and plus like one thing they at, care. one thing at a time like we're not seeing things from infinity war yet no we're not seeing things from guardians of the galaxy which comes out pretty soon but like, listen man if, if uh, like if you know, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You don't gotta, I don't gotta leave you no bait. Like I know I'm good, so just wait till it <laughs> right. wait till it comes. Right? I don't I don't need to keep feeding you these little appetizers and then mm-hmm. get to the main course. Like my main course is off the hook. So when we get here, we're gonna get here, mm-hmm. and you're gonna. I know you're going to love it. So let's just wait, and yep. they'll give you what you need. But they're not constantly feeding you stuff. By the time you get to the main course, you're already sick of it because you've you've had taste of it. I like the analogy. And but Marvel's like, no, we know, we trust our chefs. This trust, is a five course meal. Yeah, yes. Wait, we trust it, our we chefs. wait for it. We trust who's back in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. We trust our waste. We trust everybody involved in this restaurant. <laughs> right, everybody. So yeah. yeah, here. So oh, our next our next meal is is Doctor Strange, and after that, we're giving you Spider Man Homecoming, and mm-hmm. after that, we're giving you, you know. At whatever else is going with Garden Galaxy 2, all that. Yeah. It's all coming. And if you never heard of this dish, that's fine. Just give it a shot, and I trust me, you'll love it. Like that's, the, that's what they've taken. And they're, and they're taking courses that we know and saying, you can flip it a little bit. You want to, this is how you make your chicken, right? Well, you can mm-hmm. dice it up, spice it up this way. Maybe instead of cooking it, you bake it and add this. Like, and they're yeah. cool with the creators doing that. Um, and it's, it's, it, it trickles all the way down to their Netflix shows where they're allowing them. Because this isn't a straight-up version of Luke Cage. No. It, it is. It is close. It's straight up enough for you to be like, "This is Luke Cage." Mm-hmm. They're not giving him some son randomly, <laughs> right? They're not. 
giving them a different look. They're not giving them some crazy different backstory. Not not crazy different. Not crazy. They're, they're it's different. Are, yeah, they, it definitely is different from his original backstory. But not like you you didn't throw your hands up like what is this? Not not that dramatic. There was a point when one of the characters reveals something, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, like come on, like. I felt it was an unnecessary connection. Was it anything like 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 Superman watching his dad die in a tornado? <sighs> no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> no. It wasn't that. No, you were like, why? <laughs> why did his dad die? Yeah, in a tornado, and why did he just stand there and be like, "All right, tornado, I Especially, can save." Like, no one's looking. I can save my exactly. dad. But like, I'm not go to going the back to. of the crowd under the overpass. Zip away, grab your dad. Because like, hey. you're you're faster than speed. Yeah, but whatever. Who cares? Yeah. I know you love Superman. I'm just I'm not, not trying not to trash <laughs> your guy in your house, but like. <laughs> Um, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? There's nothing like that. It's so egregious right. where you're like, why are we doing this? Right. Why are you killing Jimmy Olsen? And, and then telling people it's Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Like, yeah, that guy we murdered? Yeah, Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. Murdered him. He's, he's gone no now. Reason. Yep. He's gone now. Yeah, Although they're doing that. a great job with Jimmy Olsen on Supergirl. Oh, they're great. Great. On CW. He's alive. Yep. To start. <laughs> to start. Uh, well, yeah, that's, I mean, th- those are my thoughts. And just, okay. Yeah. And I, and I definitely, I echo those. I'm really excited to see what they're going to do next, mm. because the next path is Iron Fist, yeah, which is mysticism. Yeah. Spooky. That is going to be... Because with, with Daredevil Season 2, you had some hand stuff, you had yeah. some mysticism, mm. kind of some occult stuff. Mm-hmm. Iron Fist is straight up mysticism. Yeah. Magic. So, so we'll see about that. Yeah. I'm and I, I'm interested to see what the twist on his costume is going to be. Yeah, it'll be different. Because with this, they gave us five minutes yeah. total of of kind of that feeling right. that nostalgia feeling with iron fist oh boy like it could be but here's the thing like really I'm, I'm looking at the comic now like that's mm-hmm. what he would look like walking around in the 60s and 70s absolutely not in absolutely. 2016 nope so what would iron fist look like in 2016 you mean he's not he might not have a yellow do-rag that comes off all he flowy might like have a yellow do-rag. uh dragon tattoo on his chest or not even, it is not technically a tattoo, it is the spirit of the dragon that he punched in the heart, but whatever. Right. Um, yeah, it, it will be interesting. So, so officially, so the rating system of this podcast, there are three choices, mm-hmm. good, bad, or ugly, and that applies to anything, mm-hmm. whether it is movies, TV shows, one of these days I'm going to do one on like new music. Ooh. Uh, so but it, the rating system is the same, good, bad, or ugly. Good is something that can range from you are highly recommending it to everybody that they have to go and see. You might not even you might take a day off of work mm-hmm. and see it. Bad, it was okay, but not that thing that you were like, you have to see this. Ugly, avoid at all costs. So, officially, for the record, mm-hmm. Tim Hall, aka People's Critic, good, bad, or ugly. Oh, it's good. Good. It's good. Okay. All right. Uh, with mine, it it oh, is yeah. it is a good. There <laughs> we go. It it is a good, but that B side flip when you take out the tape and flip it over and put it in, the sound that comes out, the tone that comes out, it it, it was it was rough to me. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was an it was a difficult a couple skips on there. Yeah, it, it was a difficult transition um, from the A side to the B side, but overall. As a series, I will give it a good. Okay. Um, I'm not going to punch you. I'm oh, thanks. Thanks, buddy. about it for like two seconds. Uh, I'm, like, I'm going to punch him. But well, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was tough. Like, the, it mainly because I of that get switch. It. I'm not even going to 
I can totally get why someone would. I mean, even you know, someone who loves film, there's tons of movies who have those kind of flips. Yep, absolutely. Or those kind of endings where I'm like, I walk out, like I walked out of enemy, like that was amazing, and people walked out like, I don't know who was what. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of why I liked it. I didn't mm-hmm. know who was what, but if you're someone who needs those sort of endings in your life, maybe the flip isn't for you. And that's not yep. to say you're a bad person or you're not. It's too smart for you. Like it's just not something that's up your alley. What was the the movie with your boy Oscar Isaac, A24, Ex Machina? Uh, Ex Machina. Yeah, same type of thing. Some people like, didn't like that ending. The, the ending of that, people were like, what the hell? Like, they were just so upset. And I was like, Twitter blew up. Makes sense to me. Exactly. A lot of people were like that. <laughs> it so makes it, sense to me. With this, it was kind of the same thing. Like, yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, but similar to the other Marvel Netflix shows so far, there seems to be that switch. There seems to be... Yeah, it's, it's like this weird deep backstory that seemingly comes out of nowhere. Right. It's like... Here you go, and this hurts all this history that goes with it that you're yep. supposed to consume in six episodes yeah. and care about. Mm-hmm. And you don't. You never get time to care about it. Yeah. You care about the two of them, but you don't care about that a, a lot of the other stuff. No. It just is there to, to provide context, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Nothing you care about. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, overall for the series, I, get, I give it a good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I that just about wraps it up. I mean, it took like three pages of notes, but you man, did have a lot of notes. I, I did. I always take so many notes, and I forget who it was. I think it was like Kevin Smith. At one point, he was like, "One page of dialogue is one minute." For a second, you reminded me of Jack Nicholson. Shining just had notes. <laughs> just, just pages and pages. The same notes. thing. That's so why I always take a bunch of notes, and then yeah, you realize like yeah, you just you don't need them. Yeah, you just touch on that. So, them. all right. So, uh, Tim. Yes. I know where I can find you. Yes. Uh, I know where you sleep. You know, I know what time you, know you go to bed. You know how to find me. Uh, this no, is it's creepy. It's going back to Halloween. This is <laughs> right. creepy. Uh, but for those of you who do not know you, how can people find you? You can find me at thepeoplescritic.com. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter at thepeoplescritic with one I. Mm-hmm. C-R-T-I-C. You can find me on Snapchat, Instagram. Um, coming up, I have an interview I did with Sasha Lane from yes. American Honey. She's great. Really uh, looking forward to that. Really awesome. Loved A24. Um that uh seeing moonlight this week i don't know mm-hmm. when that review's coming but yeah it's 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 creeping up on oscar season so there'll be Man. there'll be a lot yes a lot a lot to see so i'm very excited for that it's one of my favorite times of the year okay a lot of good movies a lot of bad movies but yeah mm-hmm. what about you what do you what's coming up with you uh coming up so this comes out on wednesday, wednesday. uh geek girl con oh, that's right is a is a local convention here in seattle mm-hmm. uh, i think it is on like their fifth year mm-hmm. i want to say so I will be going to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, getting some creators, some uh, panelists uh, on the show to talk about kind of what they do. Uh, because yeah, Geek Girl Con is different than mm-hmm. a lot of these gaming, comic book conventions. So I'm really looking forward to yeah, just talking to people about that. Because, like we said with this show, it is important to get those voices heard. Right. It is important to get those stories told. Mm-hmm. That unfortunately. Just do not get the the time or the platform to do that as often as we would like. Right. So yeah, so Geek Girl Con is coming up. Look forward to an episode about that. Uh, yeah, and then like the Seattle South Asian Film Festival is coming up. And then just, yeah, it is quickly, like Tim said, Oscar season is right on the corner, which is yeah. crazy. So yeah, so there you go. So we talked all about uh, Luke Cage on Netflix. Without spoiling. Without spoiling anything, which is impressive uh no shade to any podcast who does spoil it like go for it whatever 
Uh, it is just not what, you know, I want to give people the chance mm. to absorb it. Experience the same way you yeah. did. Yeah. This, it was like a job <laughs> watching this because it was just like, whew, I got to get home from work. I got to watch four episodes. Right. Like, yeah, I woke up early this morning to watch it. Like, wow. So, Commitment. I appreciate it. Yeah. It, it was all for you. Yeah. I, I don't do this for anyone. Yeah, this is just for you. Thank you. That's, oh, wait, for me, you're talking to the audience? You're talking to me? No, for you. Oh, for I'm me. I'm looking at you. <laughs> I, you know, you're talking to the audience. I don't yeah. know if you're breaking the fourth wall. Yes. Fair I enough. appreciate it. Yeah. And I love how the creators and people involved are involved on social media. Mm-hmm. It's been great. It's been good to see. I don't, like, more shows I think are going to start, are starting to realize how that worked and starting to adopt that. Because it's, it's important. Yeah. Important to get a second season. Like, people are talking about it. Because Networks is never going to release any kind of numbers behind it. No. It's never going to happen. I, I can respect but part of me it's is just hustle. so damn curious. It's a hustle. I get their hustle. Yeah. You'll never know. You yep. just have to assume. That's so, awesome. I like it. So for this episode of About to Review, uh, I have been joined by Tim Hall. Thanks again, Tim, for, for coming by. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. The, the fans always love you. <laughs> fans. So, <laughs> of course, you have fans. I wish I had some fans. You do. You do. Uh, and yeah, I have been your host, that guy named John. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at about to review. Uh, you can stream the episodes on the website aboutreview.com. We are also on iTunes. Always appreciate some five star reviews. Uh, yeah, if you give a five star review, you will get a shout out on a future episode. That is my bribe that I like to give people right at the end of the show. So for that, for this episode, hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next time. Bye.